everyone, and welcome to episode 204 of Fans of Power. I'm Joe Amato. I'm here with Nathan Kennedy and half of James Etock because we ain't got video feed. That's what fucking delayed us is right here is James. We have audio. How's it going, James? Uh, yeah, pretty good in my evil dimension. Apparently, there might be a, a, a ghost accompanying me, like a noise of, ooh, that's me going, ooh. But um, yeah, apparently, I'm, I'm coming through in a very bizarre fashion. My laptop, literally prior to this, the camera was kind of working, but then just before, prior to recording, I was like, oh, let me set it up. It started working for a few minutes, and now, according to my computer settings, I don't have a camera on my laptop anymore. So goodness knows what that's about. But I'm sure the people on the dark web are able to watch me right now as I pick my nose or something like that. You can do whatever you want, just and that's when the camera would decide to start, comes back. start working. Exactly, got a figure nose like what just happened. Well, even even if his camera does come back up, it's not going to show up on the end on the stream here. So everyone will be treated to this lovely image of James E. Talk and Skeletor just kind of having a good time. All right. Do you want to hear the most bizarre thing right now? My my laptop has frozen up so i was getting ready to say hey let's say hello to the chat room and i had my video up for when we do the commentary for into the abyss hey my computer is just locked up what the fuck apart, man. are you serious i can't i can't do nothing I, I i'm gonna have to do a hard reset i can at least still look here and talk but i can't do nothing uh, what are go, the odds go, of go that figure joe what the You've you've put a you've put a curse on the entire show. Next you thing. broke e-talk shit, and now you're breaking your own shit. It's <laughs> impossible. It's my virus and my bad technology has spread the internet into James's computer. He gets oh nothing, no video. Are you fucking kidding, Nathan? You're gonna have to uh, um start do, at least doing something while I do this because I got a hard right, reboot. Well, I'll go ahead Unreal. And, and do the uh, the the motto gimmick. We'll just we'll just what's that, James? Do the shit. We'll just we'll just chew the fat kind of thing while while Joe goes away. Well, well, Joe, you're not. It's not gonna like you're not gonna go anywhere, right? It's just the the laptop aspect of it. Okay. No, I'm not gonna go anywhere unless this decides to I shit on me too. But everything here, me watching and having the video ready and having all those stupid ads from the you know because we're gonna do into the abyss. So of course, when you play it on YouTube and you don't have YouTube Red, it wants to pop up an ad and show a commercial on an ad. So I watched the whole thing, got them all off. I gotta do the whole fucking thing towards the end. Oh, oh well, I'll go. I'll, I'll go, go ahead. ahead and Sorry about that. Join us in the chat room. So let's say hello to Zentron, Michael Purvis, Zen Brown, Grim Two, Papa Hud, Sixty Nine, Joe Amato's, and there's. Well, Febmon, uh, Descendants of Grayskull, Spike, Adam Gabbard. Scrolling, scrolling. Hopefully, I'm not missing anybody here. Do Aaron Voorhees. And I think that Eric Amons joined us as well, and Jason Johnson. So I think I think we we got everyone. So uh, yeah, I, I guess James, while he's figuring all of that out, uh, we can just sort of jump into the the topics that you guys were wanting to discuss here. Yeah, we could still discuss top. those. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know how much James wants to uh, talk about certain things, or if at all, but I guess we can start with uh, Revelations and, and your thoughts and opinions on that, and, and just some of the things that have been announced well, as of late. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm terrible for these kind of things. When something's announced, I rarely, like... You know, the new She-Ra cartoon is up to season four, and I've seen only the first season, which is, like, over a year ago now. So, yeah, so um, I still want to see seasons two to four at some point, but it's one of those where it's like, it's, <laughs> did you say No, you season? don't. No, you don't, James. Please, you do not want to. No, no, well, go ahead. So I, I thought, like, at some point I'll see them, but the, the thing at the moment is that I did, but 
my point is, I just even when you know things are announced or teasers are shown, I just don't get to see them unless <clears throat> unless Do Sam kind of says, "Look what they've done," and I'm like, "Oh man!" And I get annoyed with him, not in a horrible way. It's just like, "Oh, you know, stop showing me stuff that's put making me even less likely to watch the show." <laughs> like the one he did, right. I was I was like, "Don't show me that," but at the same time, yeah. it was the one with um, where the where Catra was mocking Tongue Lash's name. And my, my, the thing I couldn't understand was, I mean, like, you know, forgive me for, you know, mocking anybody's names, but these characters were mocking Tongue Lasher, like Tongue Lasher. And it's like, wait a minute, you do realize that Catra's name is literally She-Ra with a cat instead of a she. That's the whole point of it. It's Catra, She-Ra. That's how can you suddenly think that Catra is the... Um, high end of creativity in terms of names. That's no disrespect to anybody at Mattel. They were creating toys with funny names, Mechanic. Right. Um, yeah, gimmicks that match their look or their abilities. Exactly. The thing. Yeah, exactly. It was like, oh, great. And and those names transcended where we don't have an issue with it. Yeah, we know Tongue Lash is a silly name, but it worked for that character. And it's not like, right. oh, my God, Tongue Lasher, don't even go there, girlfriend. It's like, no, that's just, that's just a, a name that works for that character. The same right. with like, Too Bad and Buzz Off. Those names... Um, uh, uh, kind of fondly loved with those characters, like associated. So I was like, when Doosan showed me that clip, I was like, oh man, that just makes me want to see this show less. And then I went to PowerCon, and there was a lot of people at Power—not a lot, but you know, for every person that said they disliked the show, there was a person that said, oh, I love the show. And people, like some of my closest friends who I've known online for close to twenty years now, were saying, you you should seriously check it out. Like, it's not the Shiro we grew up with, obviously, but they were saying there are strengths to the series. And I saw that in season one. I was like, oh, my God, yeah, of course there's there's strengths to the storytelling. But my attitude was, it doesn't have to be Shiro. It could be another, it could be like, um, what was that, that Wonder Woman toy line they were going to do? Wonder Woman and the Star Riders or something? It, it literally could be that show where it's a bunch of characters, you know, who are like the Shiro cast but aren't the Shiro cast. So... Exactly. I'm, I'm just sort of like, and every kind of teaser I accidentally stumble across or begrudgingly see, I'm just like, ah. So up until I think a few weeks ago, I, I assumed that Revelation, is it Revelation or Revelations? Revelation. 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 Okay, so Revelation. Um, I had just assumed it was like, for some reason, I don't know why, I thought it was like, oh, it's like a 13 episode thing, but it's 23, 26, right? I, I believe it's, uh, I'm trying to think, I know they said it was, I, I, I couldn't remember how many seasons it was broken down into, but it was enough to where you think maybe you get 13 here, 13 here. I, I can't remember if it was 26. Hell, I couldn't even remember if I thought it was scene 52. I, 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 that's why I had everything set up right here in front of me. I even had the revelation screen and talking about how many episodes was going to oh, be man. in it, but it didn't say per season. So it's like everything just went to shit right when my <laughs> went out. <laughs> but um, no, I, I'm curious to see the thing with the cartoon because knowing that they said, you know, it's you're saying a bold statement when it's picking up where the filmation left off. Now, okay, yes, I, I understand story-wise. Obviously, it's not going to look like that. We know it's no. going to be a different look. But no. we're at least knowing and should be guaranteed these should be adult characters and not children. So I guess with that being said, like, what are some of the hopes that you get from this cartoon? Like, let's say, story-wise, things you'd like to see, things you wouldn't like to see, the animation, maybe the sound. What are, you know, things you're really hoping that they can focus on that can make this into a, a great cartoon series that wants you to keep tuning in 
all the time I mean, to see. Like before I get to that, I'll kind of not to like bore people, but I'll I'll talk no, about. No, Boris, like, go ahead. As long as they ain't here on the Land of Legend or whatever that shit was, you know, you're good with anything. Going back there anymore. Trust me, we're not we're not journeying back to the Land of Legend. I think ever again. Um, <laughs> no, but. Uh, no, so Revelations was so funny. So the what was it? A week before PowerCon? It must have been a week. I, don't, I think I might have even been in America at the time because I'd gone to New York before I went to LA. And I'm sure it was like maybe a week, maybe a week and a half before PowerCon when Kevin Smith w- was announced as being there. And I like I've been following Kevin Smith, you know, ever since Clerks and that big, big, big fan of his films and stuff. And over the last, I'd say, three or four years, I've been watching his Fat Man on Batman. Like it was a podcast, then it became like a, a video podcast, like Fat Man, on, Fat Man Beyond, they kind of call it, but it's still Fat Man on Batman. And they do this um, live recording from the, uh, like this kind of faux Star Wars cantina on Hollywood Boulevard. So I've been watching it there, um, watching it on online. It's, it's always like a fascinating show, and I'm always like, wow. And it was always, it's always been funny to me, and I was just like, oh, I'd love to go and see that recording one day. And um, and for the longest time, those like Mark Bernard and Kevin Smith have been going like, oh, we need some of that Netflix money. And, and you know, during this time, Kevin Smith, since I've been watching this, he he had never seen like any of these DC, DC shows like The Flash and Arrow and all, Supergirl. And then he started watching them. Mark Bernard and was like, you should check these shows out. And he did. And I'm like, oh, finally, Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith would talk about it and do like, I'm not a big fan of reaction videos, but watching him see like, I think it was like the season one ending to one of the Flash episodes when you see a glimpse of Supergirl or something and he's like in tears and it's like, oh, this is brilliant. And I'm like, yes, man, yes. And um, I think actually tonight there's the start of the Crisis of Infinite Earths crossover. So I'm like, oh, I want to see that at some point. So they're okay. doing the DC TV show. So, um, yeah, big fan of his work. And for the longest time, you know, like he'd got onto the DC shows. It's like, oh, great. Now he's directing episodes. I don't know if he wrote any, but he's definitely directing some of the DC um, TV shows. And then they kept him and Mark Bernard would joke about, yeah, we need some of that Netflix money. And Mark Bernard had just done a, I, think, I don't know if it was, it was a show called, I think it was Castle Rock or Eagle Rock. I forget what it was called. Anyway, um, and it was like based on a Stephen King thing. And it was like, okay, cool. And then about, I think it's about three or four months ago, well, actually longer now, let's say probably about April, May, maybe, they both started talking about, we've got something in the pipeline, you know, it's going to be great. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, it's going to be like a Clerks TV series or something to do with Disney life. It's going to be like a Marvel show. I was like, because, you know, you've got two, you've got a massive comic book nerd, two comic book nerds in Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard. And I thought, oh, this is, yeah, that's where they're going. And then... You know, PowerCon is about to happen, and a week before, whatever it was, that Kevin Smith gets announced. I remember thinking, there's no way Kevin Smith is coming to PowerCon, and it was like he was getting interviewed. Oh, I forgot that. Oh, I feel really bad. I forgot the head, the name of Mark. Um, he's the guy who runs Mattel, the head of Mattel, Mark something. Oh, God, that's really bad that I forget his name. That's all right. That's all right. Re- really, really lovely guy. I actually met him in person at PowerCon. He was very sweet. Um, but uh, he was. And they were going to be interviewing him because he'd written some of the DC comics, I guess, like a few years back. Um, you know, I, I profess to not, not having read many of those DC things. So I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, I know very well. It's just not my cup of tea. As I say, as I always tell people, like my He-Man and She-Ra happened in the 80s, which is probably, you know, <laughs> not a great thing. But that's always been my, you know, my go-to. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I was thinking like, so... Kevin Smith's going to come to PowerCon and ask someone questions. Like, don't get me wrong, Guy's an amazing moderator, but also he's one of the best talkers on the planet. You know, you, you put Kevin Smith on a stage, you know, that's why people pay him, and that you get he gets paid to talk for two hours because his anecdotes are always utterly fascinating. You know, he's worked his anecdote from all those years ago about um, 
working on the Superman Lives film was fantastic, and the Prince one, one, one of my favorite stories is when he worked, he was trying to do a project with Prince, and it's just like him in Prince's house, like, you know, he's, a, he's on Prince's toilet, and there's like a sign saying this room's wired for sound, it's like, oh my god, if Prince is on the shitter, he can actually write a song. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 3am, like and so, a camel. But, and he he lives in Minnesota. That's the story. <laughs> so 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 he's great at like you know Kevin Smith is is great at telling those stories. And I'm thinking, and it wasn't until it sounds really dense of me. It wasn't until the morning of the convention I was talking to um, Danielle uh, Galerta, you know Penny Dreadful. Yeah. And I, it might have been been the Friday night actually of the convention. So you know prior to the Saturday of the convention, we were talking about Kevin Smith, and I said. You know, if, if Val happens to see this, uh, I think I've even said it to her. I said I felt that Val was kind of caught off guard because I remember I messaged Val as soon as Kevin Smith was announced. I was like, Val, you know, I'm there. I'll be in the green room. Is there any chance you can, you know, hook me up with a meeting with Kevin Smith just to like say, oh, lovely to meet you, man. And and Val was like, um, oh, sorry, man, I, I won't be able to do that because like I'm kind of, you know, not caught off guard by it, but I'm not even sure I'll get to meet him. And I was thinking, like, the organiser of PowerCon won't get to meet the guy who's going to, like, kiss with. that makes no sense. That might have just been Val playing, you know, being careful, which is fair enough, because the moment he says, yeah, you know, of course, James, you can meet him, then everybody else has to meet him, you know what I mean? It's like, sure, this, sure. this chump wants to meet him, then everybody wants to meet him. So, um, yeah, so I remember I was talking to Danielle, and I just, we were talking, and I said something about, you know, all this way, and I was just like, I can't remember if I just turned to her and I was like, is, is he going to be announced as doing a new He-Man show? And she kind of looked at me as like, she didn't know the answer either, but we both kind of just that knowing look of like, that's what it is. And it was like, like I say, it was the morning of the power con or the Friday night before. And I was just like, oh my God. Um, and then like, um, so I had best to get into this story to transition. So, yeah. So anyway, on the Sunday, um, Kevin Smith turns up. There's like, it was so funny. There was like just this, there was a whole chat. I mean, PowerCon was great over the weekend. It was like, you know, it was the biggest ever, I think, in terms of attendance. There was like no real quiet moments. Like usually at these conventions, you get a good, you know, maybe in the afternoon for a few hours, it just kind of quietens down until the last like minute and to the point where you're just kind of sitting there going, man, business is bad or whatever. Sure. So um, that wasn't the case on this occasion. It was like, it was just constant flow of people. There was like maybe an hour here where it just went a bit quiet, but it was still, there were still customers and stuff. But on the Sunday, um, like I said, the whole atmosphere, not in a bad way, the atmosphere changed. And suddenly it was like, Kevin Smith's here, isn't he? Because you just suddenly saw people going in certain directions. like <laughs> Right, right. And it was because he was in the green room. And I was like, wait a second, I've got a table. I've, you know, and I, I, I don't know. It's not, see, this is where I balls up when I was talking to Val. I assumed everybody who had a table had access to the green room. It's like, no, it's if you're a guest. So if, again, if Val sees this, you can see. I was error all the time because I kept going to the green room not kept i did it once or twice for a, the the a couple sat opposite us at a table i would go in the green room get them cookies because i assumed oh you're too busy to go in there and it turned out oh no they actually didn't have access to the green room so i was, I was like sorry um so anyway i go in the green room there's kevin smith and i was like oh my goodness there's kevin smith like about 10 feet away from me but he's surrounded by people there's like three people around him as well as mark bernard and i'm like oh man mark bernard and like what an awesome guy so anyway Kevin Smith then goes, I think he goes to the Mattel booth. So I'm, I, you know, when I'm at the table at PowerCon, I rarely get a chance to go up and down the aisles. But I thought, wow, I'll have a walk. So I was walking up and down the aisles. And 
uh, like you know there's kevin smith obviously everybody knows mark bernardin is less known but i was walking past it was um there's a, a guy on facebook called uh motu joe and i saw uh, and he was and mark bernardin was stood right by his um he was like looking at stuff by motu joe's uh, kind of table not a table it was a table under cells he's got like, he had a huge display a really beautiful display i was like i should do better displays so um Mark Bernardin's in. I just kind of turned. I was like, oh, Mark Bernardin. He's like, hey, it's me. And he was like such a sweet guy. And we talked for about five minutes. And I was like going, oh, my God. I said, I've been listening to your podcast for years. Big fan of your stuff. Again, I'm not thinking at this moment in time, oh, you're going to be announced as a email writer. You know, I'm thinking Kevin Smith must must be involved. But I had no, my brain just wasn't processing the information. So I was just talking to him as like a fan of his, you know, work on the on the podcast and other stuff he's done. I was just like a big fan. He was a really sweet guy. I was like, can I get a photo? He's like, yeah, of course, man. So we took a photo together. And I was like, oh, man, that made my day. Then um, I think Kevin Smith went and did his panel. Or, sorry, Kevin Smith went to moderate a panel. And we were in um, – the panel room was right next to, uh, like, the convention center. Or if, if not, it was, like, maybe a little room away. So you could hear – you could always hear people in the panel room, like, you know, if there was a cheer or laughter – Okay. And for about the first 20 minutes of the panel, it was just like, you know, talking kind of thing. And then at one point, there was just this huge cheer. And I turned to my table mate, um, Lee, Lee Clevenger. And I just said to Lee, he's just been announced working on a He-Man cartoon. He's like, you reckon? I was like, I guarantee it. He's like, yeah, yeah with that kind of response, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, we were like, so I said, do you want to go and have a look? He's like, shall we? He's, he's like, what about the table? I was like, yeah, fuck it. So he literally just got up, walked away from the table. People are like, you know, that's we, we're terrible. Like this year. Stealing we were, shit off your table and everything. You just oh broke my God, that, No, that's San Diego Comic Con. That was the last time I went to that <laughs> jerk joint. I was like, uh, I had my serial geek table. And the first thing I ever did was put a magazine on the table, turned around to get another magazine. And the other one had been stolen. I was like, oh, Oh, it was awful um but uh yeah so so me and lee just went in there and it was like it, the whole it was rammed in there and um there was kevin smith and i was like ah oh, there was a big poster with the, the you know the revelations revelation image and i was like yeah and i was listening to him talk and then he invited um the three people that were hanging around him i thought were like oh just mates or minders turned out to be um three other writers as well as mark Bernard. and i was like oh wow and the guy from mattel was up there and um and I was like, wow, this is, and I, I remember at first I was being very, I'm not going to say I was cynical, but me and Lee were kind of hanging back going, look, man. Um, and we were listening to them talk about it. Um, and they were saying like, it's, it's going to pick off where the cartoon left from or where, or, I don't know if they used, I don't know if any of the press material, and correct me if I'm wrong, if it has said where the original cartoon left. I thought something did. One of the, one of the things I read specifically, I don't know if it was like just a banner yeah. piece, but there was something specifically that said, that, you know, it's going to pick up where the eighties or where the original left off. There was something pretty much said like that. So because yeah, you're not wrong with that. I think. My, well, my theory is if I, I, I think they're going to pick up on, I think people, you know, unfortunately some people in the wrong are like, oh, they're going to just pick up where the filmation cartoon left. I'm like, no, no, absolutely not. But you will, I, I, I think why they're saying that, not about, I think it's, it's really good because what they mean is you're going to get your Royal Palace. You're going to get um, Castle Grey School. You're going to get that. And I think those visions of what Eternia looked like are going to still be the same. So the key thing like I've, you know, like I say, what I love about Kevin Smith is that you know everybody knows him as, as he says, as, as himself. He's always been known as the guy who writes dick and fart jokes and gets paid to do it. But if you've ever seen like his work on Supergirl or The Flash and stuff like that, or even like in the comic industry, he always adapts really well. <clears throat> so 
he'd obviously watched a bunch of shows. Um, and when he was on the panel, I was stood next to Lee. I wasn't being cynical. I was just like, okay, you know, almost like, come on, prove to me, you know, I want to hear what you're going to say. And one of the things he said, and I was just like, oh, my God, he's got it. Because obviously he's the showrunner, so he's going to be in charge of, like, the series Bible and stuff. And the one thing he said was he, and I, you know, I'm sure this is on YouTube or something, but he said, he goes, the original show was about family. And I was like, oh, my God, he's got it. That's exactly what it is. It's, you know, to the to the uh, the Savage fans, you know, those wonderful first four mini-comics in which He-Man builds a house. Um, though that world was about warriors there's nothing wrong with that it was heroic warriors versus evil warriors it's like he-man's lost his magical vest and skeletor's conquered castle grayscott and that was that and then filmation comes along built on the back of the dc mini comics which i still think are some of the best stories ever that's what i'd love to see brought to life that those mini comics were incredible like add the filmation touches like your prince adams and your orcos but bring that Procrustus and that um, the magic stealer and the PowerPoint dread those those visuals and that that strength of that storytelling I thought was fantastic um, and yeah so w when he was talking about family I was like that's he's watched the filmation and he understands that the family is you know King Queen Adam Teela Man at Arms Orko Cringer that's your that's your key uh, uh, group of characters that's and even Skeletor is his own family when you think about it. It's, you know, Skeletor, Evil Lynn, Beast Man, Man, Triclops, Trapjaw. I'm obviously going through the Diamond Ray crew, but it's that, it's those those groups where, yes, they're heroic warriors and evil warriors, but at the core, especially with the, the heroic, like the, the royal family, is that you do, first and foremost, you know, it, the old cartoon, the film cartoon was a toy advert, and it's like, yeah, that's great. How many times did Roboto or Cyclone show up? How many times did Man-at-Arms, Orko, Teela, Adam, you know, they showed up a lot. King and Queen showed up in bloody every episode. That's a lie, but, you know, they showed up a lot. They didn't even, you know, even have figures at the time, you know what I mean? So oh, no, no, I've said that before, too. I remember yeah. that was one thing that drove me nuts. It's like, I never felt like it was a toy commercial, because almost, every, you know, every character that was in that cartoon, you've never seen in toy form until, well, here comes classics, but back then, yeah. you're right, like, majority King characters Randall, never King, popped. King, King Randall Source was turned up as as toys two years after the cartoon had finished so it's not like they would jump piggybacking off, off the back of that it was mattel going shit let's try and do some extra sales with you know this climate champ guy and don't get me wrong i love those last few figures they started to produce but um yeah but like when kevin smith said that i was like he actually gets the show he's not trying to he's not going like let's make it dirty or you know or you know or, or not not that he's going to make a dirty show but you know i mean he's he's his vision is he's taking it from what he believes the original was. And when he said that, I was like, shit, he gets it. He understands what this show is. And he said, like, you know, we're going to have action in it. Of course they are. My, my theory is, and what I'd like to see is, um, you know, basically, the, the best way to put it, the, the best way I can put it is, I'd like to see the 2002 cartoon in terms of story arcs and storytelling, but with more heart. Because nothing tops the filmation show in terms of, storytelling in terms of passion like the people that were writing that illustrating it animating it clearly love the work there's no disrespect to you know late great dean stefan or anybody who worked on the 2002 show but the 2002 show was sadly i think a bit or especially season two became a bit too toy that was a toy advert because mattel were like you need to put the snake men in every episode and, and you know, dean stefan those guys were like what but we've got our we've got our stories mapped out and and stuff like, you know, I felt the the way the sorceress was in the new series, I didn't mind the character, but it was like, you can't even compare it to the original. The original had heart and warmth. And 
Oh, exactly. No, that is true with like how the original was. Now, when it comes to MYP, I'll admit, I mean, it had a very nice visual look to it. I mean, it was yeah. stunning to look at, and they went in right. a direction of where they brought in more continuity, but also still within doing that, gave you these one-off episodes, even though things could continue. It didn't yeah. feel like you had to watch every episode in a row to know what the hell was going on. I and think, I think that, like, yeah. you go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, I, th I think you're spot on with that. I think the, uh, like... The things that lacked from the 2002 show were, like, the animation and visuals were great, except for that horrible, which at the time, even I, I was thinking, like, why are you doing that? It's going to become so dated. It was the horrible 3D rendering they would do. Oh, the CG shit when they'd show, come flipping at you or certain and things. And yeah. it was gonna, even back then, it was just like, that stands out like a sore thumb. And sure yeah, enough, like, years later, yeah. you look back at those episodes, it's like, ouch. Um, right. the, the one problem I had with that, uh, you know, like I say, there was there was a lack of heart. Even though I enjoyed the show, I just felt it didn't really connect. You want those characters to really seem to love one another, and I didn't feel that in that show. The other problem I had was how they presented Eternia. The, the, I remember, like Robert Lamb said it best. He said, "When we when we were at filmation, we were asked to, you know, we were just writers, a storyboard artist, but we'd all come out of ideas for, you know, the world." He said, "What you're kind of trained to do is, you know, you think, right, here's a bush." Um, you know, here's a bush. Now, what's a bush going to look like on Eternia? Or what's a bush going to look like on Troller or on Etheria? And you think of those three examples, they're all very different because the artists were like, we're building alien worlds here. Let's make it look... You can't make it look too, like, offensively alien unless you need that, and that's, that's the point of the story. But with, with Eternia, you know that, you know... Um, Oh, that's clearly... Well, I always got confused as a kid, and even to this day, I find it weird that the Evergreen Forest isn't the big green lush things we'd see in Diamond Ray. The Evergreen Forest was the, the sparse kind of twiggy area towards Castle Grayskull, which I always thought was like, that's an ironic title. The the big green lush forests outside of the Royal Palace were, were called the Fertile Plains. So I was like, okay, well, then, then fair enough. So those, <laughs> but that, the thing is those gorgeous green trees and stuff, you, they weren't alien enough. Uh, you, you looked at them and thought, okay, that's a tree, but it's, it's so unique in its design, or there's a weird penis-looking bush, you know, as, as years later we found out, it's like, oh no, we, we did that on purpose, or like, you look at Troller, and it's like, okay, those are, those are clearly phallic images, and, and the, the, the artist later, uh, one of the artists admitted, yeah, we, we did the, the phallic things on purpose, but as a kid, or even as a teenager and ad adult, it wasn't until someone actually pointed out, I was like, really? And then someone, you know, an ex-filmation person confirmed, and I was like, oh, that's unfortunate, but okay, fair enough. And, um, the, the, that was the one thing lacking in the 2002 show. I just felt that it just didn't visually, well, you had all these, you know, barbarians and guys, you know, doing all this action and cool stuff. Aside from the odd location, it it just didn't feel alien enough. It was this, the other show, that, and it was a filmation show. The filmation show that suffered with this the most was Brave Star, where Brave Star was a really, I mean, beautiful looking show, but where the 2002 suffered as well is that there just felt like so very few locations. The 2002 show was the Royal Palace, that yellow sky. I felt like we saw 90% of the series. Then you yeah, see and did you also feel like it, I mean, it didn't mean to interrupt you, but the thing right. that I got least from Filmation, like I said, whether it was dark, whether it was light, whether wherever they're at, everything felt lush and alive and a different, you know, yeah. different. And even though NYP had amazing animation, I still felt like a lot of the stuff just looked flat. You know, like there wasn't any that's that's beautiful. That's perfectly. Po I remember talking when the show came out. And I was talking to Lee again, table mate at PowerCon and stuff. 
And I was saying, why do the backgrounds just look so flat to me? And, you know, obviously, you know, backgrounds are what they are. And I remember, like, if you look at some of the, the backgrounds in that show, you can see where they've copied and pasted this stuff in order to, you know, build up certain areas. And it's just like, it really kind of stands out in this day and age of, you know, or in the day, DVDs and stuff. You look at it, you're like, wow, that's really kind of glaring where you can see where they've kind of, you know, rubber stamped that. We need, we need to build this palace wall. So, like, stamp, 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 stamp all the way across. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and, and like, yeah, like I was saying, the, you, when you think about the forest in those first few episodes uh, of the 2002 series, it's just a forest with, like, yellow sky. It doesn't, you know, they're having the big battle between heroes and villains, which is, like, a great battle, but it's just in a forest. There's nothing alien about it. Like, when they leap on a tree branch, it's a tree branch. When they cut down a tree, it's a tree. And, and don't get me wrong, the Filmation show did have trees, but nine times out of ten, a lot of the background trees and stuff, you're just like, ooh, that's weird and creepy and twisting. And some of the, I mean... Mm -hmm. One, one just has to look at the end battle in Diamond Ray, you know, when Castle Grayskull opens and He-Man and Battlecat run out, and then there's the battle between the heroes and villains. And yes, it's a 1980s filmation battle, but if you look at those backgrounds, it's like a bunch of characters fighting on an alien world. It's, it's wonderful. You watch it going, this is, this is fantasy, right? You've got this guy with the springy legs hitting all these robots, but in the background, there's this, um, this endless possibility of like, where does, you know, I always, I always say it's like, we always got, if you think about the pans of Castle Grayskull, you'd always get that pan where it goes, you know, Castle Grayskull's on the right-hand side of the screen, the camera goes across to the right, there's Grayskull, there's the abyss. What's beyond that? You know, you never know certain things, and I love kind of that mystery, and um, even, you know, when you look at certain things, what the background artists did, where they just weren't making backgrounds, they made up a mythology for it, and it, yes, it remained la largely unseen, but I, what, an, what an amazing connection this is about to be, but Robert Lamb, wrote into the abyss because he was looking at one of the background things one of the background drawings and they'd written notes about the construction of castle grayskull and they talked about the abyss and at that point robert i remember robert was saying like he, he was reading this thing thinking huh the abyss and it said something like i think the the, the description is um in the like where grayskull's power was stored and robert was like well there's there's something that could be interesting you know and then writes an entire episode that becomes like one of the best but that's because he was inspired by someone not just designing a background going, let's, let's really go into the mythology of what this Castle Grayskull is. And, you know, the, the wonderful thing that I don't think many people know about, but it's, it's one of my favorite origins of Grayskull was uh, the castle, you know, the skull and the, the kind of, if you look at Grayskull's design, the formation series, you've got those, you know, weird viney type things, but you've also got those kind of legs sticking out the side. And it said that Castle Grayskull and the bridge leading up to it are two beasts that were locked in battle and then frozen in time kind of thing. So the, the bone bridge that goes up to Castle Grayskull is the spine of another creature. And then you've got Grayskull opposite it and stuff like that. You yeah. like. And what an amazing depiction. Again, and yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I was going to say. That's the one thing of MYP that I think upset me the most was looking at their Castle Grayskull. It didn't oh. feel alive, earthly evil spooky you Why know there's so it? much mystery it's so like you know we said flat but yeah. it felt too fresh and new nothing about that felt ancient to me well no the, the problem i mean one of the episodes the i mean it was a great episode i think it was larry tilio penned it was the one with the dragons dragons brood it might have been called and the episode like the big battle at the end takes place in almost like castle grayskull's courtyard and it's just like four walls and and like a, a courtyard you're like that's castle grayskull what i loved and this you know i, I always credit him for this i mean <laughs> i credit him for a lot of things but emiliano who was the artist on the 2002 comic for mv creations he made 
that 2002 Castle Grayskull, he put a lot of filmation elements into it. So if you look at those comics, you've got that kind of, you know, very straight up, straight down design of Castle Grayskull. But he added the viney, twisty things that were reaching up to the castle. And Very good I mean, touch. Oh, really nice. And like the throne room, which was, I think in the cartoon, was just almost like a pyramid staircase. Emiliano put the original kind of skull throne behind it kind of thing. And I was just yeah. like, oh, that's great. I mean, you know, small little touches like that could, I, I think, would have made the 2002 show just a little bit better. But um, so from Reve Revelation, what I think they're going to do, uh, I had an amazing chat with this. Was it Was it? No, was it on my birthday? I can't remember. With, with Lee, we chatted about it for ages. We went to see, um, what did we see? Went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then afterwards came out. We chatted about that, obviously, for a bit. And then we sat in this um, in this restaurant just talking about the new series. And, like, we're, we're nerds. You know, we don't sit there all the time talking about He-Man, if you can right. believe that. But we were, um, we were sat there, and it's just like, uh, you know, come up with ideas or, or even just where the series could go. And, and Lee came up with this idea, not necessarily saying it's a good thing, but he goes, I think what they're going to do is explore what the power of Castle Grayskull is or what the, the power is. And he said, I truly believe, this is, this is him, kind of his own theory, you know, years later, probably proven completely wrong, but, and he's not one to second guess or anything, but he's just like, he goes, he feels he's seen a lot of this in modern storytelling, but he said, I, I can imagine, they'll go with the route, that they'll, Teela will discover, you know, find the power of Grace or whatever she's off to do, and she'll discover that the power of Grayskull isn't one thing. It's almost like a, a culmination of all these powers coming together, all these kind of spirits and identities, that the power of Grayskull is, you know, imagine like every being on Eternia creates that power of Grayskull as opposed to the power of Grayskull being a giant orb in the castle, which I prefer. But he said, he's not, like Lee's not saying that's a good idea, but he said, I feel that that's kind of where modern storytelling culture has gone into this kind of, um, society kind of group thing of like let's all work together and actually I know a few things I don't know if it's happened yet on the Princess's Power series that will eventually go down that path so it's like um, I can almost see that them doing that but we, we don't know like we really in the dark about it the one thing one of the other things about PowerCon was me and Lee were talking and one of the guys introduced on stage this guy he's the um, I think he's one of the producers forgive me if I'm, I'm getting his title wrong uh, he might be like an exec producer or producer, but his name's Ted Biaselli. I think that, I, I'm always confused how you pronounce his surname. Or as Kevin kept calling him, Teddy, Teddy's up here. Ted Biaselli is someone, it's one of those things, it's so weird to admit this. We were friends on Facebook many, many years ago. And I didn't like, you know, this was before Netflix was like, <laughs> Netflix. It was just, I think it was whatever it was before it was Netflix. And then... His name started to pop up on certain things. And I remember a few power cons ago, someone said, oh, Ted, um, he's he's like working on the new She-Ra cartoon. And I was like, Ted Biaselli. I was like the one, you know, I'm thinking of as like fellow fan Ted Biaselli. I'm not thinking like <laughs> right. Netflix right. producer Ted Biaselli. So I think it was, um, I had no idea he was involved in this He-Man cartoon until literally I'm in that room and he walks up on stage. I'm like, it's fucking Ted again. And they were saying, like, Ted has really pushed this. And, like, Ted, I think he was also executive producer on the... There's, like, a Dark Crystal TV series. He's, yeah. he's, worked, he's worked on that. He, he kind of pushed for that. And it's like, fuck me, guy's not only on Big Bucks, but he's also pushing forward his dream projects. This sort of thing. I didn't get to talk to Ted at PowerCon. Also, I'm like, you know, Ted to me was just like, 
like a fucking huge big deal. I'm like, I'm not going right, right. to be like, hey, remember when I used to share YouTube videos with you, like of my He-Man videos, because that just seems really redundant. Yeah, now he just hides you on Facebook, and it's like, yeah, get out of here, James. Was, no, he's actually. This is the funny thing. So Lee Lee comes back at one point. Lee goes away from the table, and he comes back, and he goes, oh my god. And I was like, what? He goes, I've just been speaking to Ted, and I was like, oh, BSL. He was like, yeah. He goes, I've just. I was just talking to him about the filmation show or like, you know, what, not what they've got planned for Revelation because Ted can't go, this is what we're going to do. But he said, we were talking about it and he goes, he knows his stuff. And I was like, how do you mean? He goes, he clearly loves the filmation cartoon. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And he goes, no, no. He goes, I was talking about certain things. And then Ted would kind of not interrupt, but kind of preempt and say like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Guardian of Grey Skull from Double Trouble. And Lee's like, yeah, that's literally like Lee's favorite, not episode, but thing, like was the, you know, the head of the Guardian in Double Trouble. It's like, you know, answer this question and you'll get the power of Grayskull or whatever, this giant head, because Lee owns that background. So, of, of course, oh, he loves okay. that. It's, it's a beautiful looking background, that giant like head with the big pointy bits coming out of the big horns. And so Ted brought that up and Lee was just like almost immediately sold. It was like, oh, wow, this guy knows his stuff. And Lee said he was mentioning other things about the Formation Show and he was just like, he just knew his stuff. And then I was talking yeah. to Val, and this may be completely unproven, but Val was like, I'm, I'm nine, like 90% sure they're using like a few of your books, like the Animated Adventures Guide, and the, not necessarily the unofficial guide, but like, yeah, I think the Animated Adventures Guide that I wrote for Dark Horse, because they're using it not like, you know, almost like as research, going, what about, yeah, I can imagine this is what it would be like. If you're in a meeting and you're pitching <clears throat> ideas for storage, you probably go through it and go, this is episode with this guy, Count Marzo. Do you think we can do anything with him or this evil? You know, you know for a fact evil seed's probably going to pop up. So it's stuff like that. I can imagine they go through the episodes and go, or like Shakoti, they go, that's oh, this witch. And Ted, um, again, Kevin Smith was talking, because um, the other thing I didn't say, I was about to, was I, so maybe two days after, so when I was talking to Mark Bernardin before the announcement, I said to him, when are you guys recording another um, episode of Fat Man and Batman? He goes, we're doing one on, I think it was Tuesday. And I was like, oh, my God. I said, I'm, I'm in, like, the valley on Tuesday. And he goes, you should come along to the show. And I was like, I might just do that. So literally, I went back after PowerCon, booked tickets, and went to see a live recording of Fat Man or Batman, which I'd always wanted to do anyway. But yeah. now I'm sitting there in, like, the second row, and they're talking about working on this new He-Man and She-Ra cartoon, or He-Man cartoon. And they were talking about Ted, and they were saying, like, it was Mark, Mark Bernard and Kevin Smith and the, the three other writers. And Kevin was saying, like, Ted is like, he goes, usually a producer coming into a writer's meeting is almost like a big no-no. Because it's like, no, producers are usually the people that you send notes to. And they're like, no, we don't want, you know, change this, change that. But he said Ted sits there in a lot of the writers' meetings and says, oh, you know, they'll, they'll say they're coming up with a plot for something. Maybe they say, like, I don't know, this is me just reaching here. But... Kevin Smith, maybe he's sitting there and he goes, oh, what about like an episode like with a witch or something? Maybe Ted will be like, oh my God, there was a witch in, they're called Chakoti. So it's that kind of thing. I think that's where Ted injects that love of filmation that I think can only benefit the show. Um, and then you get, you well, know. it's good to it, know there's research. I mean, that's good job, but knowing the that they're doing the research and at least whether it's coming from everything you did, because obviously you're the fountain of information. You have everything that's ever known for the, you know, the show itself. But to know that whether thing. it's. I mean, yeah. that, that's, but that's also like that doesn't necessarily guarantee. And I'm not, I'm not one to, I'm not, you know, erring on the side of caution. But I remember when I read the series Bible for the Shira show, I went through that and I was like, oh my god, this is beautiful. Someone who's who written this has has clearly watched all the film, or like a lot of the filmation show, and clearly loved it. 
And then I saw the first season. I was like, I'm, I can see elements, but I'm not quite seeing the connection at all. This is, and then yeah, yeah, I still don't know who watched that damn show because when I sat there and watched every interview with all of them, they said, "Yeah, we watched a couple clips." I'm like, "Well, that's good research." But no, with at least what you're saying, it looks like they definitely have done a lot of research. And when they're making, like you said, the claim of you know pick up where the original left off. Now, like you said, yeah, obviously it's not going to pick right up, and it's not going to look <laughs> like filmation. But my hopes is at least from saying you know it'll pick up where it left off is that fans will be able to immediately recognize anybody yeah. that was from the cartoon. Now, I'm sure they're going to show respect. It's not. I doubt they would ch- completely change the design of He-Man or Mechanic or somebody. It's like, Agreed. hey, I know who these people are, but with a different design, a different style, if you will. But yeah. that's what I'm hoping, that at least, if anything, get me excited. It's like, they're adults, and they should look like we remembered, but in a new animated style. I think what the makers of this show... You can, you'd have to be stupid not to realize it. Is that, and I think you and I have talked about this before, and I've, and I've had this conversation with many people. Is the filmation He Man is still the most recognizable version of He Man? The filmation skeletal voice, uh, character look, still the most recognizable um, interpretation of He Man. I would not be surprised. This is me again, I've got no inside information. I would not be surprised if they. If they haven't reached out to Alan Oppenheimer, if they actually approach him and get him to... I mean, I can't guarantee that because in the modern world... But I know, see, Kevin Smith, when he when he casts stuff or makes something, he loves nostalgia and he loves paying homage to what came before. He does it all the, in all of his work. He looks back and he goes, what made that great? Hey, let's like in his episodes of The Flash and 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 that series in general. There's so much of a love for the original, like the Flash TV series of the '90s, or like you know, I was, I was recently watching, um, literally a couple of weeks ago. I, I needed to catch up with the most recent season of Supergirl, or sorry, the previous season. I think it was like season four or something. Lex Luthor shows up in it, and I was like, okay, the guy they cast for Lex Luthor was the guy who played Lex Luthor. Two and a half men. Say again? Yeah, was it? Wasn't he the guy who was playing Lex Luthor? Isn't he? Um, I mean, in the Supergirl series, yeah. Oh, isn't he the guy that played on Two and a Half Men or something? Yeah, isn't but he, he was he was Lex Luthor's son in the Quest Superman for the Quest for Peace. John. Cron- oh no, shit! Yeah, I forgot about that because I hate that fucking movie. It's, it's terrible. Movie. I saw that film in the cinema. Imagine that. There's there's some like horrific. Yeah, you know, I saw Quest for Peace. In the cinema. <laughs> I love giving Tyler crap about that. I was like, oh my god! I was like, the girl's breathing in space. How? Yeah, was, yeah, How? Somewhere, but, Tyler's no, ears just started burning, and he's like, hmm. <laughs> like a fucking joke because Tyler loves that Superman 4 which that's great man he can love that I just always oh, give him shit about it but go ahead it's a goofy ass movie Superman 4 but um but yeah so like like I say so that those shows that Kevin Smith has been recently working on stuff um I don't think he's worked on the shows in the last maybe year or two but he he understands that that that, that nostalgia paves the way for the previous audience to really hop on board with it. So I don't think he's silly enough to isolate and go like, I think he's going to have a lot of say, if he's a showrunner, I'm, I'm guessing I, I'm not hundred percent sure on this, but I'm going to guess he has a lot of say in what designs are used and what isn't. I think you're going to see like Orco looking like, I, like I say, I almost think that I'm not saying it's going to be the 2002 visual, but it's going to be kind of like that where it's like, let's take those designs that you can instantly recognize who they are. And let's face it, we, with that 2002 show, we didn't need 
anybody to say anybody's name ever because you knew. I'm glad you said it. And I, not to cut you off, but I do have to say that that was the great thing. When you looked at any of the characters from MYP's cartoon, they're immediately recognizable while being, boom, souped up to be a little more, you know, yeah. animated or detailed. But the other thing is you could have put all of them in black and white even yeah. before the show was announced and yeah. identified them. And that's the thing that She-Ra could not do for the new Netflix. If you would have put them all in black and white and just put them in front of you, be like, who the fuck's that? Who's that? Who's that? You yeah, yeah, probably know She-Ra. No, agreed. I, I, that's that's a really good thing. I mean, like, I don't think there's, you know, I'm not going to be someone who says like, oh, you're not allowed to redesign ever. Um, but yeah, I think if you're going to redesign, there has to be a purpose, and there, and you still have to acknowledge where that original design came from. So, sure. you know, like the, um, you know, from what I remember of the the new Shira cartoon, the Froster redesign just boggles the mind. It's like I can see what you've done, but also. No logic. Why is she a person that carries the power within ice within them where their weakness would be heat and be warm? She's wearing a parka. I hate that design. Also, like, I mean, not to, this is a very dangerous thing I'm about to say, but you're going to make the girl with ice powers an Inuit? You know what I mean? It's like... I know what you mean. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, you're really going to go down that path. It's like, that to me was a bit like, ooh, that's almost like some... You know, I love the cartoon Mask, you know, from the 1980s, you know, Mask Crusaders, one of my favorite shows ever. But that show dates in the fact that um, the Chinese guy in the show, Bruce Sato, um, quotes Confucius all the time. And, you know, why is man say literally says stuff like that? And you're like, oh, that's that's dated a bit. But at the time and uh, what it and, you know, in hindsight, it's like, oh, I can see what they were doing. They were, uh, you know, Bruce Sato. Literally, was Sato was almost um, Matt Tracker's Kato kind of thing. He's like, he's my wise, honourable sidekick. Um, the only thing Bruce Sato didn't do was martial arts, which I'm surprised. But you know what I mean? It's like in this day and age, for a show it's that... Right. No, you're right. Political correctness. It's like, yeah. why would you do that? You're right. That was like, a, for me, it's like a big no-no. Like, that should not have been done at all. But, in, in day, you know, I... Yeah. I have one question about your voice. Not to cut you off, but when you're talking about voices, and you were talking about Alan oh, Oppenheimer, sorry, yeah. which, yes... Of course, iconic as Skeletor. And we know that when, was it Brian Dobson who did uh, Skeletor yeah, NYP? Uh, was that Brian Dobson, yeah, did the, yeah. Okay, right, in which he did his kind of, like it yep. felt like an homage, but it felt fresh and new. Now, as much as I love Alan, and it would be cool to have him do that, I still in a way would want a new voice actor. Now, the thing is, I don't know what I want it to feel exactly like Filmation, close to it, slightly a little more darker, but it's like, I don't know how, how old Alan Oppenheimer is, or if he would even be willing to, what, what, what I was going to kind of go down the path with the, my, my try to thought with the Alan Oppenheimer thing, even though I'm about a million tangents. Um, what I thought with the Alan Oppenheimer is if, let's say, you know, in a bizarre twist, they do hire him to play Skeletor, I don't think they would get him to do that voice because, one, I don't think he can reach that voice as much as he tries anymore. It's a lot um, of power behind it that he did. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, think about that laugh and stuff. It's, that's a young man's voice or, or like the man, a uh, 40 year old's voice or something. But I think what they would do is have him almost play it darker like i i think dobson's skeletor was one of the best like I mean, that's one of the best there was like a few you know what i mean but his his skeletor i thought was great because it was just on the side of aiming towards that filmation style of like i'll get you he man but it was also he was down here somewhere and he was just like very you know it felt a little darker a little more sinister in a way exactly and and like you know the filmation guys i remember rob lamb in an interview i think i did for one of the uk dvds he said when we first saw the, an episode, like, finished, we were all just sat there going, what have they done with Skeletor's voice? 
because they were all expecting, as he says in like the one of the interviews, he's like, I will get you He-Man. And then it was like, I will get you He-Man. He's like, where does that come from? But then they obviously, what, what that did was that the, 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 you know, it kind of, the scripts were guided by that character of Skeletor, which is why he becomes somewhat of a comedy villain as the show goes on, because the writers are almost writing to that voice. And it's like, oh man, if we have Skeletor fly up on a rocket and go, then you can have that noise of him, you know, and that that's where it become, became a more comical show, but or he became a more comical villain. But yeah, in terms of voices and stuff, I think, you know, I, I honestly think they're going to try really hard to aim for those formation voices because I, I think, and, and in fairness, you know, the only problem I, and I love Cam Clark as a voice actor, like Leonardo on Ninja Turtles, Canada and the original Akira, all this stuff. Like one of my favorite voice actors, one of the loveliest guys I've ever met in my life as well. He was, he was the voice of this character, Dog Tanya on this uh, European show called Dog Tanya, which was like an anime, a Japanese Spanish cartoon, but animated in Japan, a really, really cool show. And that was the first time I ever heard Cam Clark's voice prior to Leonardo. My problem with, Cam Clark, I thought his Prince Adam was great. Like, in terms of Adam, perfect. When Cam Clark did He-Man, that wasn't a natural fit for him because it was Cam Clark doing an impression of a heroic man. So uh, it was yeah, I like, see what you mean, yeah. It's like me going, it's like me doing a my... A little over the top, right? How yeah. he talks? Yeah. It's like, hey, this is James Etock, now talking about something to do with He-Man. It's me clearly <laughs> putting on a heroic voice, whereas John Irwin's natural voice is deep and kind of like... He didn't. He, he dropped it like maybe an octave, but he wasn't. He wasn't pushing it. His, if, if anything, John Irwin's Adam voice is the unnatural one. His He-Man voices, but he did such a good job with both voices because guess what? He's a voice actor. He was able to, you know, manipulate somewhere in between. So uh, and Cam Clark, don't get me wrong, an amazing, talented voice actor, but his He-Man just felt like um, someone putting on a voice. And that's what the problem. I, I really liked Gary Chalk's He-Man and the New Adventures of He-Man. It was it was sometimes a little bit high pitched, but in general, I, and again, like with this new show, I think they're going to cast very wisely. I think, as, as you were saying, I think the designs are going to reflect what we saw. Just, And I don't want to say updated in that. Um, I, I honestly think we'll see Teela with a bun and a tiara. I don't think we're going to see her with a, a ridiculously long, unnecessary ponytail that makes no sense in battle. I think they're going to look at that filmation style and be like, okay, let's take those elements of what works. Um, I, I honestly think, and you know, I... I it's going to be an interesting story. I think, you know, when it was originally announced that Taylor's going to be, everybody's like, oh, it's going to be all about Taylor. It's like, to be honest, that's not such a bad thing because that is one of the best female characters around that time. But I don't think oh, this is... she is. It's just, I think it was misleading how they said it. They almost made it seem yeah. like the whole entire season was going to be about her. But then they came back to say, no, that's not how that's it's going to be. Not. Yes. Yeah, first couple it... episodes, my, yeah. Yeah, they, they kind of balls up with that. But even even so, I was just like, no, it's not going to be the series. It was obviously that's where right. the series starts, but you're going to get this story arc. The only thing I'm worried what they will do, um, and it's a tricky one because it works and it doesn't work, is I'm worried that they'll just give up on the secret identity thing and say, look, at this point... That was my next question I guess I can't get to because yeah. I had a couple more. I was going to say, what do you think? Do you think they hopefully will keep the secret identity because it's a very important, you know, story, uh, you know, story plot device? But now if... I, I, I hope you're wrong and I hope I am too. I don't want it to get revealed. Because that was, that was my problem with the new She-Ra show. When, when she just started revealing herself to everybody, I was like, what's the point? You know, I, I, I wanted... The, 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 what I loved about the original She-Ra is that... And the same with He-Man is that She-Ra and He-Man are the best parts of um, Adam and Adora, like, super-powered. It's like they take everything that makes them those people. It's like you're kind, you're wise, 
you're strong-willed, you're heroic, you're, you know, you've you got these, all these, all this moral standards and stuff, but guess what? You Now you can move a planet or now you can do this. And it's those things. And, and yeah, it's, it's a cheesy as hell line, but it's that whole thing of great power comes great responsibility. And With even the, as He-Man and She-Ra, they can value and appreciate what it's like to be Adam and Andorra oh, in a whole different life too. That's yeah. the beauty of it. Um, the the problem with the new series show I had in the first season, which is the only one I watched, is the moment like she just feels like a um, what's the best way to put it? Almost That's like a, a, a computer projection because it's oh. like one minute she's Adora and now she's just Adora in a different costume. And it's like no, no, no. That's I understand that that does work, but also. It doesn't because I'm glad you said I'm glad you said costume because that's what I said. I said it feels like she cosplays as a different character. It's like, oh, she's slightly stronger, but she acts the same as Adora did. And there's no difference. Which like you said, you've only watched season one and not the rest yeah. of them, but you probably even noticed with season one is the character Shira, that's what saddens me about the cartoon the most, is she's almost a secondary character, like she's not important. And when yeah. she is Shira everybody from the villains to the heroes call her Adora. They never address this warrior, this hero, as She-Ra. And it's kind of sad. It's like, this, this is a character that's supposed to be, you know, a hero, somebody you wish would come to save the day. And you just, you don't get that feel from her, unfortunately. But I think this revelations, they look like they're, they're on hopefully a good path, at least how what they're saying and they're presenting. And now, like, we've heard what you said about the voices and about how hopefully the characters look. The two other things that I want to touch on is yeah. I think they said it's going to be maybe 3D when they described it like a 3D animated art style. And I think there's a uh, movie on Netflix that premiered called Klaus, and it's about Santa Claus. Yeah. And it's a mix of 2D, 3D art, and it looks beautiful. Actually, Dusan is the yeah, one Dusan, that recommended it. He sent me the yeah. link when I was yeah. uh, I think a few weeks back. He was like, look at this, and yeah. I was like, that's beautiful. Now, what do you think? Now, obviously, it won't have that look, but if they did a new style with this type of 3D and you know the cartoon animated art, is that something you'd look forward to? Because it sounds like it'd be good if they could nail it, because they nailed it for Klaus, but that's a different style of look. But for that's that show or for that movie, it worked. I just think with something like that Klaus, that's it looks as good as it does because obviously it's got all the budget poured into that and that's that. With a 26-episode series, let's say the He-Man show is, you you could never get it to look even remotely that good. It would because it would be like we've got. I I, I still think there's going to be you know basic 2D animation. If they're going to go 3D, then fine, and, and um, I'll get proved wrong. But if they went 3D, would it slightly scare you? Like I said, we don't know anything. It's all hypotheticals. No, no, no. I mean, but like, a show that I still have yet to watch, but that I know fans raved about it for, for many years was the 3D Ninja Turtles cartoon that happened, oh God, maybe about eight years ago or something. You have to have Nathan jump in with that because I yeah, know that, that I one's actually much about that cartoon. surprisingly good. I was sort of hesitant with the way that it was looking, but uh, I gave it a shot and kind of fell in love with it. Now, towards the end, it starts to, it starts to, yeah. lose its its brilliance but uh that those first good chunks of episodes were really well done i thought yeah I, I saw like i think randomly i was in la and i turned on the telly and it was like new series premiere premiering and it was that show and i was like oh they're doing a new ninja turtle show and i watched it and i was like it starts off and i'm like oh cg and then the, by the end of the episode i was like oh that was actually really quite nice and i, I kind of got into it but i didn't see enough of the series to to pass any kind of real judgment but the i think the thing you know fans often worry about is 
and I understand, you know, we've kind of, you know, you, we get different kinds of He-Man over the years, but I think fans are like, I wonder what it's going to look like. And it's like, that's, yeah, all well and good, but I want, I first and foremost, I want that story. I want I want that those characters to, if, if Teela's going to be in a bunch of episodes to begin with, I want her to be that Teela from the 80s. I want her to be like yes. headstrong, the fiery, you know, the cliched fiery red. And you just led into the last thing that I was oh, going to discuss is the story and also what do you expect? That? Now, when we talk about continuity, like how we said with NYP, they had a good mix. It was continuity, mm. but it still could give you yeah. one-off episodes. With like the new She-Ra, you feel like you have to watch every single one yeah. to know what's going on. What are you hoping? Do you hope you get that NYP feel? Because that's, if anything, what I hope is we get a story that, yes, has continuity, can acknowledge things that happen in certain other episodes, but not constant to where it feels like it'll drag the story on. Sometimes I feel like it drags the story too much if you have to keep cliffhangering to here, oh, to here, here, to go. Really. Um, I feel that I, I think it's just a modern thing with modern storytelling. I think it will just be that continuous thing because I think that's just the way, because of the way shows are binge watched these days. And, you know, net, and it's a Netflix show. Come on, like Netflix are all about. I, I recently watched, I think, all four seasons of The Good Place. I literally, I, I put it on maybe three or four weeks ago, and I thought, oh, this is that, that show my, my my parents watched, and I've heard good things about. It. Let me start watching it. And literally, I was getting on with stuff on my laptop whilst watching it, and. You know, within a couple of weeks, I'd watched all four seasons because it's that thing of, you know, don't get me wrong, I was gripped and I really enjoyed the series. But it was one of those things where when an episode ends, you know, five, four, three, two, <laughs> hey, which, episode. which I think you can give credit to Mandalorian because, you know, I had to get the, the free trial. And of course, I might try to, the month to finish it off. But um, Mandalorian, they made you wait each week for the next episode yeah, fairness, and it's have done that with better call soul i think they did it with that yeah and yeah, i think that's what I'm, yeah because yeah, it works i mean like i said it worked for the mandalorian and you could still watch any of those like you know the ones at least i've watched three of them so far and each one stands on its own like even though yes they're right. connecting you can still enjoy them the same thing with cobra kai i don't know if you've got to enjoy that oh, it's an amazing yeah, oh it's an it is it's just amazing. But the thing is with that, even with that, having continuity where, yes, things connect, they still get good one-off. So I'm hoping it has right, that flow. Right. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, like, I, I'm just going by Kevin Smith's kind of trying to get inside his mind, which is probably a, a wonderfully scary place and creative place. But I think, I just feel that as a showrunner, he's going to aim for that kind of continuous story. Like you say, I think it would be great if they do, you know, a one-off episode where you focus on, I don't want to focus on like a character and see his, I want to see if you focus on a story, I want it to be like an episode of He-Man where it's like, oh, right, now we're going to be in the desert and we're uncovering these ruins of this ancient pyramid. Like, Because you don't get those. You know what you said there? Again, not to interrupt, but you bring up good points. That's the thing is, all these things where there's a mysterious artifact or some just one-off different crazy villain you'd never expect, those are fun. But if they could do little pieces like that and still keeping it fun and flowing continuity, like I said... I'm looking forward to the potential because I think the potential is there. I'm definitely excited for this more than I was for the Shiro one that I did not enjoy, but this I'm hoping can go in a good positive direction and hopefully it could go on for a lot of years. Hopefully. I honestly, I honestly think, like I messaged Ted when I got back from America and I thought, how do I message this guy? And I even said to him without him thinking, dude, we're not hiring, you know, cause I, I there was, a, there was, I'm not gonna say a lot, but there were more than a few people who, on on twitter with tagging kevin smith and messaging kevin smith and saying you need to hire james etock you know blah blah, blah. And, it's, and i kept saying that's really like that is really sweet but also you got to realize netflix don't sit there and be like 
right, we're going to do a new He-Man cartoon. Let's hire an expert because that's, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in a way that's the last person you want to hire because you want to do your own vision. It's like if you said to me, uh, James, write a, let me think of something. Friday uh, the 13th. No. Yeah, okay, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, right, yeah, okay. Write a Friday the 13th um, animated series. <laughs> okay, so yes, gonna... I, want, I want an animated series of Jason killing the shit out of people. No, yeah. go ahead. I like, and no disrespect for you, to you, it's like, I know you're a massive fan, but if you're getting paid the big bucks by, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice, by Netflix, um, I'm just going to have a swig of water, excuse me. Okay, no problem. <clears throat> if, if I was getting the big, big bucks by Netflix, I think you're less inclined to go to someone who's an expert and say, okay, what shall I do? You're more inclined to go, let me rent out all the episodes, let me read as many books and do as much research, because it's not about taking credit, but you're, you're, getting that knowledge yourself and you're able to if someone hired me on a he-man cartoon they're only going to get out of me what i'm going to say if you know what i mean it's like tell us well you know i do i kind of get that like again now i understand like you said they can research to then kind of learn themselves but i feel like with you and it's not like you know stroking your ego but i feel like when you do have sometimes an expert that knows absolutely everything you're getting their love, their feel, their passion, and you can maybe that that could rub off on them. That's why sometimes I wish they could have some super passionate people like you that have the research. But the reason you are different is you are the complete encyclopedia of knowledge for masters. And if they're doing a cartoon that they're claiming, you know, picks up where the original left off, you know, is leaving off, you're the perfect person I think that would be somebody that could work with it. Now, like I said, I understand what you mean about, yeah, yeah. don't say that because you might say, oh, no, you should do this, you should do that, and feel like you're going to tell them everything and they're not learning. But sometimes I think a little help works, and that's why, I mean, people are pushing, including me, that's why we were pushing for you to be a part of it is you could bring so much knowledge and ideas and things that maybe they wouldn't get because, yeah, sometimes you do need that super fan if you will but i yeah. understand completely what you mean but sometimes no, i think it's certain situations that help and i just think you'd be the perfect person but no, I, yeah. I appreciate that a lot man it means a lot there was um it's quite funny like one of my friends he works uh, for disney he works like in the industry um quite high up as well um he phoned me like after PowerCon, and um i would yeah one of the things he said the other thing i can't really say what he said um it was to do with a uh, a certain return of faker cartoon <laughs> But he said, um, "Hey, what's going on, Return of Fager? Man, fuckers <laughs> canceled that son of a bitch. I was waiting to see that thing like crazy, and bam, it went right out the shitter." But sorry, <laughs> go ahead. No, so with um, with regards to uh, he phoned me and he was talking about um, uh, Revelation, and he goes, he said, "You haven't been approached to work on the show, have you?" I was like, "No, not at all." And he goes, "I guarantee," he said, "if you lived out in LA, and you know you were known, kind of thing." He goes, I think they'd be more inclined to get in touch with you. He goes, you know, he goes, don't get me wrong. It's, he goes, because they'd love to, if they're going to hire an expert, they want to have him in a room, not on a Skype call. Um, <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds weird. It's like, as we're doing Skype, like one of my, my one of my friends, my housemate and her, her boyfriend um, have literally in the early stages of breaking through into Hollywood and they're doing so well. I can't tell you like the kind of people they're rubbing shoulders with. They've done a lot yeah. over Skype, but the most beneficial part of their career thus far was, they did uh, three months in America at the start of the year and then, um, yeah, and a month in America back in September. And they were doing like three to four meetings a day. Plus they met, wow. they met Ted Danson. I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. Um, but yeah. they, went, they went to all these meetings and they said, like, it's so much easier to pitch yourself and talk when you're in a room rather than 
you know, talking over Skype, going, oh, maybe we could do this, and maybe so I can I can appreciate that being out that might be a different story, but you know, that's just one of those things. So I mean, I I kind of worked on the two thousand two show. They said you know, tell us about Count Marza. So I, I sat there and wrote a bio for Count Marza and then they end up using, you know, Count Marza in the show and obviously a very different version. The same with Evil Seed. It was like, tell us about Evil Seed. And I'm like, okay, here's a bio on Evil Seed. And then they, you know, do the, the Evil Seed. And episode. I love their, you're right. And I love what they did with their Count Marzo. I was not yeah. a super fan uh, of their Evil Seed. I love the original Evil Seed, but I see what you mean with that. You're right. It's, it's um, yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, sorry. Right. So I messaged Ted and, um, and yeah, I said like, I just want you to know, um, and I, I did. There was no disrespect to anybody champion for me. I was like, you know, it's really lovely that people are doing that, but I want you to know, I'm not, I'm not actively looking at you guys going, why aren't I working on the show? I said like, I wish you nothing but the best kind of thing. And Tim right. and I talked over the years before, but like not for a long time. And I said like, I just want you know, I want you to know that I'm really looking forward to it. everything I've heard from you know Kevin Smith, a few things and stuff. I said, um, and Lee kind of sang your praises because you mentioned the Guardian of Cars and Grace Car. <laughs> right, right. So I said, um, I said, like, I wish. And he, he got back to me within 10 minutes or something. He was so sweet. And, like, whenever I messaged him, like, just go, how's it going? He's like, really good. And he's not going to give away any spoilers. And I'm lo- looking for any, but I'm just looking to. It's almost like I'm not owed anything by these people, but I just want to know that it's in good hands. And every time I've messaged Ted, it just, and like anybody could say that. I could have messaged, you know, the people that worked on the Shira show, and they probably would have said, oh, it's in great hands. And I championed that show before I'd even seen it, because I was like, I've read the series Bible. I, I like some of the designs, because I'd only seen Shira at that point. And then the show happens, and I'm like, whoa, this is, this is very different from what I read and what, I'm, uh, what I expected to see visually. So there's no guarantee that what we fans, and don't get me wrong, when I say what we fans want, all of us are different. We all want different things. You know, some of us want the Filmation cartoon. Others want the 2002 show. A few people want the Savage cartoon. Guess what? That's never going to happen. Also, oh, true. Can- it's no, like you said, we're not ever going to be able to please everybody because, like you said, yeah. there are the people that want, you know, from the original four mini comic style, right. then Filmation or NYP or anything different. I but the thing is, sort of- people got respect that we're all, like I said, that was the thing that I think uh, people that are younger and getting into stuff now. Instead of, like I always say, calling us trolls and all a lot of bad names, just remember we've always been passionate fans, even since we're kids, and we've been critiquing He-Man or anything that we loved when there's yeah. slightly different changes. So just remember, we're just passionate fans, and we have that right to in- want a certain vision. Are we going to get what's in our head? Probably not, but just you know, never dismiss us, call, call us names, when if we're all we're doing is just trying to give a little insight of something we want. And yes, there could be people on both sides that act like complete idiots, we know that, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's why you know we speak out like how I'm doing this now, and it's not saying anything negative to anybody that's working on the new uh, cartoon for Revelation at all. Because I'm hoping I'm trying to be so optimistic with this because you know yes we've been burned on a couple things we've had the limbo of that damn movie which I thought they were supposed to start shooting that sucker back in July nothing but um like the mo- movies in limbo it's like we just want something to happen and hopefully it can please at least a good majority of the fans and yes, hopefully then bring in new fans, but you got to at least try to go for the core audience. That's always been there and supporting stuff. But I understand them wanting to do something new, but I guess yeah, we'll see of course. How you, you have to, out. you have to branch out because you know, when you fight, when you look at the He-Man audience, the core audience, uh, we're not talking tens of thousands. You're talking about, you know, I may be close to, I don't know, six, 7,000 or whatever of core fans who absolutely love it, uh, are passionate about it and will kind of commit to everything about it. But then you've got, um, you know, your casual fans. And I think that's where you need to kind of 
pay you know homage to the filmation thing and kind of take that storytelling because you're like we need to appeal to those people that will be like oh you know I remember that filmation cartoon it was great and then you see something new that has elements of that you're like oh my god this is just like I think it's I think if that 2002 cartoon happened now it would be really heavily celebrated I almost feel that it came at the wrong time I do too I believe it I said the one thing and it might sound insane it'll be really repetitive but it came on Cartoon Network. It was on, yes, different times of the day, you know, and of yeah. course, you know, sometimes kids aren't watching, people aren't watching, adults are at work. But the big thing was it's on a cable station. The Ninja Turtles, when that new cartoon came out almost around the similar time, I remember that was on Saturday morning, Fox Box, a local TV channel that everybody can watch. I've said not everybody has the money. And when you don't have the fans that can't pay to see this stuff, you're missing a good, you know, a good chunk of the fandom. And I think if that NYP cartoon could have just appeared and been on like Fox 36 on a Fox Box with Ninja Turtles, Saturday morning, same time mm -hmm. all the time, that could have helped. But you're right, it came out at a wrong time. But if that NYP cartoon would have came out now, like you said, how things well, are. It would, be, I, it would be championed. It would be people would no be doubt. like, oh my God, this is, like I say, the, the changes I would make would give it more heart and change the look of the world. But in terms yeah. of the, the the writing, I thought was really good, not, not, you know, nine times out of ten. Um, and I thought the stories were really good. The story, I, was, I, th I thought they lost it, obviously, with the um, the Snake Man season where, the, you know, the shit hit the fan. But when you look at, like, that Rise of the Snake Man two-parter, when, when Merman gets turned to a statue and breaks up, you're like, they just kill Merman. That was one of the most amazing scenes I think I've ever seen. It was a shocker, yeah. Merman gets turned to stone, the statue collapses and just breaks up. And you're like, holy shit. But then that's made all the more better when Skeletor just effortlessly, like, clicks his fingers and restores Merman. But, and also fandom back to Craig. I remember the fandom how nuts they went in two different ways first when merman was killed like how the hell could you kill merman that's terrible and then some people were like well, that's ballsy that's good and then yeah. when Skeletor just brings him back they were like oh that was cheap and stupid they should have kept him dead you know so <laughs> it was weird i loved i loved it when he just brought him back with a click of the fingers because one it, it was cool it one it showed how powerful he was but also it showed and it that was yeah. it was it was he values him regardless of merman being yeah. a clown Skeletor was still like I still need you because you're like my aquatic guy who can get in place and do all this shit. So, you know, snap of fingers, bring up it. That was cool as shit. That was a good I, moment. That I just, was. It's like if that 2000 2002 show had come out now, people would be like, holy fuck, they got this right. Yep. Because even if it was yep. exactly the same as what it, you know, that show was now just came on. I think people were like, you know, it's so funny. Whenever I talk about He-Man, like with a casual fan or something, I'll say something, blah, 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 2000, you know, 2002 cartoon. They're like, what? And yeah, it's sad because you're right that majority of fans didn't even know it happened it was such a quick time from being on the cartoon and with those yeah. toys that nobody knew but now with social media how things are you're right. everybody would have known there was a new he-man cartoon there was new he-man toys and imagine like if that if that show yeah if it just popped up on netflix now i think even if they just released on netflix if mattel said Let's just put that to maybe they maybe they will do that in advance. That's of a fun thing. Hell, they did it with the filmation one. I mean, it'd be great to see them put I, on the. If they put it up, it. I think it would get so many new eyes on the product to the point where I think I honestly believe this is all me just thinking out loud right now. I think a lot of people would think it's a new cartoon. They'd be like, "Oh my god, we've seen the new He-Man cartoon," and then the copyright date comes at the end, like two thousand and two. You know, <laughs> right. that's this cartoon like eighteen years old. But I think I genuinely believe if they just put it on Netflix just like randomly. Um, I think people would would lose their mind and also think it's a new show. And I, I yeah, well, that's the thing. Could you picture that? First, they think it's a new show, and then it comes to an end. And then by the time they're done with that, here comes the new revelation. Like this, don't look nothing like that. What's going on with NYP? One more. Then you got people pissed again. <laughs> it's like you can't win.
I don't know. Like, but any closing? Did you want any closing thoughts on Revelation before we do our commentary? Because um, this has been fun. Well, it seems like you know. Um, I was I was joking with Dusan the other day. I'm always like I I always like to <clears throat> poke the bear, as it were, because you know. Yeah, he's, he's, he's on the he's poke. Yeah. About certain things and like. You know, and sometimes it's annoying because he's right before I admit he's right. So, you know, when the um, all-female Ghostbusters film happened, when that was announced, I was like, oh, okay. And I saw the trailer, and I was like, hmm, trailer isn't very funny. But I went in, and I went to see that movie. Dusan was like, eh, it's going to be shit. And I'm like, you can't say that until you've seen it. And then I see the film, and I come out of the cinema, and I was like, wow, I, I, you've got that amazing cast, and it was just not funny. You got, you know, you got a writer at the helm, you, you got all this talent, and it was just an incredibly unfunny movie. And I couldn't believe it. I was yeah, like, way too hard. Yeah. How have they got this so So, um, the other day they released a few press photos of the forthcoming Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer. So just some photos, and I said to do something like, "How come you're not up in, up in arms?" And he's like, "What do you mean?" I said, "They've released photos of it. You know, I'm teasing him, going like, you know, it's going to be." Uh, you know, there's enough there for you to go like, what the hell kind of thing. But, um, you know, we'll see the trailer. I think the trailer comes out tomorrow on Monday. So tomorrow we'll it does. That drops yeah. for the new Ghostbusters. Yeah. Fingers crossed. That it'll be, and it's Paul Rudd. I love Paul Rudd in a lot of things. So, uh, you know, I'm a bit worried they'll go this, down the Stranger Things route. It's like, it's already been done. Stranger Things did it. Um, well, hell, don't they have Finn Wolfhart, the one who plays in Stranger Things? Isn't he in this new Ghostbusters well, movie, I think? So I'm sure you're right. Like, I don't know, but I'm sure you're right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like... I don't know. I, I, I'm always very cautious to pass judgment on something until I see, uh, like I remember when we saw the, the teasers for the new She-Ra show, I was like, Ooh, you know, mysterious sword in the forest. And always like the sorceress communicating with the door and it turns out it's light hope or whatever. And it's just like all this stuff is like, Oh cool. And then you see the show and it's like, uh. so I mean, with revelation, it's going to be hard not to pass judgment. Cause obviously now we live in a time when, at the, when the first trailer or teaser for that goes up, even if it's like a bloody promo image, People are going to be like, what the hell? But in other ways, sometimes that works. And I hate to admit it, but like, look what happened with Sonic. That first trailer came out and we were all like, what the actual fuck? And, and they listened you know, to fans and changed. I couldn't believe they, that blew me away. That's amazing they did that because yeah. that's, in this day and age, my attitude would, even if I was the most ardent Sonic fan, I'd be like, <clears throat> what's the point in complaining? We're not going to be able to. But obviously they did such a bad job that it became like bigger than it was terrible looking but you know the thing is sonic like i said he's just a creature so he was away you know you could get away with you know critiquing him without being called a name but yeah i remember i seen i was like that looks terrible he looks nothing like sonic in the world like you said exploded because yes it's not gonna be an oscar movie but it's a fun family movie there's people that still love sonic from back in the day and still play him now like how i love sonic so they just said you should change this 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 and they said they listened to fans and some people were like thinking i don't think they're like even nathan i remember he gave me she was like judy i really think they're gonna listen to fans yeah, it's well, not gonna well, happen I think the same thing to they did they're not going to change anything. It's it's a it's a power. Is it Paramount? I think it's like a big yeah, street like that. You think they're going to turn around and be like, <clears throat> like let's spend a few more million on you know? As, as someone said, you know, I remember one of the things when they showed the changes, I was like, holy fuck, they've done it. Someone said the best thing of like, yes, because all those people that complained about the original are now actually going to go and see it, which you know, and and you guaranteed that a lot of those people won't because. They just may not have gone. And they better, because you're right. Some people like to use their mouth, but don't like to use their yeah. money. And, you know, it's I ain't got tons of money, but I'm going to see it. I'm going to see that damn movie at the oh, theater. Yeah. I mean, I've seen I mean, I've mean, seen a lot of stuff at the cinema in, in recent years. I'm like, why have I gone to see that? But I'll, I'll happily go and see a Sonic movie. Plus, my mate's big into Sonic anyway, so I probably will have to. But, um, yeah. yes, when, Re when Revelation, you know, when that first 
I think they'll start with the teaser graphic drops and then, you know, um, then you'll get, you know, like a, a trailer or something. And I think that's where it'll be really hard not to pass judgment. But if they're sensible, you'll get, you know, Grayskull looking like Grayskull, Snake Mountain looking like Snake Mountain or Skeletor sounding or looking like Skeletor. Um, and the one thing, if they go with the secret identity and the transformation, <clears throat> my one bit of advice, as it always is, is just keep it. And I don't mean simple in terms of look, but you need three shots of the transformation. Adam takes out the sword. You need the transformation. No, spinning around, 5,000 camera uh, angles going around the person. Uh, it baffles the mind. Like, the best transformation sequences are so simple. But it's like... Less is more sometimes. Less is more. And, like, Formation did... Well, I mean, Formation did more with less, if you know what I mean. It's like, right, we're going to do this simple sequence of guy taking out a sword, guy standing at a castle, guy lowering the sword, but let's just put all our budget into this and let's make it so spectacular and memorable... Yeah. Everybody remembers it to this day. If you said to the most casual fan, what is the transformation sequence? They could remember it visually and go, oh, it starts off with that, then it cuts to that, then it cuts to that. The 2002 yep. show, even I can't remember like how many cuts that had, but it was like, here's a shot of Castle Grayskull, here's a shot of Castle Grayskull exploding, now here. And then they did multiple versions. I'll admit, oh. I like that one where he like swolled up and the oh, emblem went to his chest. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like it. So, and that's not me being like, oh, did the, but it's, it's almost like the directors of these shows go, Remember when Megatron turned into Galvatron in Transformers the movie and we had the camera spin around? The, and it's like, yes, because that was the whole point of that visual. You were changing something, you know, almost like biologically. Uh, you were changing the very DNA structure of Megatron to, to, um, to Galvatron. And it was a great visual. That doesn't mean every transformation sequence has to be 100 different camera angles. And, you know, in fairness with that, that one sequence, right. it was one animated shot that went up and down the body. But it's almost like... They, they, it's like, just keep it simple. Just see that guy take out his sword, explosion. Then he's, you know, even the mini comics did it simple. They did like simple, yeah. even like the, Al, the Alcala stuff. When he did a transformation, there was Adam usually with his hands at his side, and the next second he's got the um, the power sword in his hand. It's just like, yeah, keep it simple. Even Make if it's it simple shot, but great. And I'm yeah, simple, sure. Simple but effective. I remember Lee said the best thing. He goes, so the 2002 cartoon, I think, was still happening. And Family Guy did the uh, Prince Adam appearance. <laughs> I remember that. But, but I remember, like, Lee phoned me up that morning. He was like, oh, my God. He goes, the latest episode of Family Guy. He literally phoned me up. Like, you know, it was um, in America. It would have been, like, three in the morning. He goes, and he phoned me. He's like, oh, my God, the latest episode of Family Guy. They did a He-Man homage. I was like, really? And he goes, and they used John Irwin. I was like, you're kidding. That, that was cool as shit. He said, he goes, you won't believe what they did with the transformation. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, they did it better than the Mike Young show. I was like, how? He said, he said because they looked at the original and they just kept it. They even did the yellow flash. Exactly. I was they like, did do that. Yeah, because I think it was uh, Adam in a, in a donkey and he looked at some guy and yeah. said, hello, Henry. And he said, and he couldn't say, they couldn't say by the power of Grayskull, but he said, I have the power. And then yeah. boom, it flashed and he was on Battle Cat and they zoomed. It's, it's, great, it's a great sequence, but that transformation, if you look at the effects, they did such a good job of aping that formation style. And that's, yeah. that's Seth MacFarlane going, let's, you know, not let's just do a flash and or let's do eight different shots. It's let's do what they did in the filmation show. And even like it's even staged the same. You get the shot of the sword with the power exploding. Then it cuts to the, the wide shot and obviously it leaps off after that. But it's just like they, they did a really good job. They get it. Yeah, they definitely, they get it. So let's hope that when the new cartoon comes out, they can take, you know, take hold of some of the things that we said here, bringing those good elements and hopefully it will be great and it could last for a lot of season. Now, uh, we are going to switch into, into the abyss. Now, I don't know, James, if you're going off of a DVD or if you're going to do the link we have, because um, I don't know if we'll be off then because the one I'm watching is from the He-Man official channel. I had to get 
again while we were talking, I had to flash through all the damn ads, so that doesn't happen when we're talking. Actually, but what are you going to be going by? I might go. I've got I've got all the episodes on a. Um, I'm just going to show it, but obviously I'm not on camera on a on a, a little hard drive. Could you give me like like five? Can you fill five minutes of time, and I'll get um, I'll get the hard drive ready and everything. Well, yes. Well, um, as you're getting the hard drive, are you still going to talk, or do you just want me to talk on myself or talk just with all Nathan? the time? Yeah, if you could talk, I've just got, I've got to go one locate the hard drive okay. and then kind of. Just... Well, you go you go locate that, and then I will uh, talk to Nathan yep. about something. Maybe Nathan, yeah, yeah, you can yeah, pop yeah. up here I, in a I, window if you can you. somewhere. Uh, I, people are in the chat. They're like, "Are are you still around?" And I'm like. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm just letting those guys do their thing, like how I used to do when you and Tyler would have guests on or when you and Tyler would do an episode together. I'm like, let those guys do this. I'll just sit here and listen. Yeah, well, Nathan will be popping towards when we do the Q&A towards the end, because after we do Into the Abyss, then, of course, you guys can ask James anything, me, Nathan, whatever, so we could all be involved later. Oh. But also later oh. after this, just to let you know, right when we, when we finish this up, we're going to do our next podcast, which I don't know if Nathan put a link or at least let you guys know, but we're going to do this uh, Bean Boozled uh, challenge on our uh, other podcast, Beyond Retro, or The Masked <laughs> Man and the, the Drunk. Did you rename no, it or no, rename the still channel? No, it's um... channel. The link for that is down below, so you guys go ahead and, and okay. click on that, and I'll probably do like we do with this. I'll set it up for a certain time, and you'll you guys can just gather up in there, and then we'll start going, but... And you guys can vote on a mask, because hold on. I got to tell you guys something. The thing is, with wearing this mask, I can shove the beans up my mouth here, and I'll be able to chew. And then when I have to spit them out, I could probably spit them out. <laughs> and if I puke, it would come out through here. But just to let you know, I usually wear this mask when we do the other show. The problem is the jaw can open, but I'm afraid <laughs> if I puke, the back part here, the puke will get stuck in that crevice, and it'll be all in my mouth uh... and face. So... That's why See, I, um, I, you guys killing me. Honestly, no, you, I, this it makes me this... nervous at the fact that you're even saying if I if I puke because people have seen you well, eat a tarantula and everything on these shows before, and if that was that bad that first time, I I what have I gotten myself into? It just. And that's what's weird. The thing is, I mean, a tarantula, you think that would freak somebody out more. But these beans, I mean, I tasted them before and I almost got sick the last time. And I told Nathan this time, I'm going to mm -hmm. try to swallow them and not spit them up. But I'm afraid I'll puke because you have ones that taste like puke and rotten, rotten eggs, spoiled milk, uh, dead fish. It's this is going to be bad. And it's going to be mm -hmm. after uh, this podcast. So you guys let me let me see. Uh, yeah, you guys can tell me if you want me to leave this mask on or wear the other mask and uh We'll see which what, what DJ tag saying it won't be that bad. Mouth exposed. Uh. Uh, that one I got rid of because I just uh, it, it was when I was doing something else when I I think did an eating challenge. It was curling up the sides and there was just crap on the side of my mask. Yeah, I, I was like I couldn't I, deal with it no more. I made the mistake so, of th this one I can really spit. telling my parents that that was something that we were going to be doing. So they were like, "Hey, uh, whenever you do that and go live, let us know and we'll be watching too." So yeah, great. All right. We're Nathan's. Oh, your parents will be a watch. Yeah, like, okay, and, well, and Emily's at work right yeah, so, now. Well, like, she was just like, yeah, let me know when you guys do that, and I'll even tune in at work. So, uh. Oh, that's, yeah, I thought she was going to maybe be there by that. I'll you know, ask by you this a time, question maybe about she would these. Partake, like, does the taste just stay there for a while? Like, am I going to burp, like, five hours from now, and it's going to well, taste yeah. like one of those? 
No, no, no. I think as long as you wash your mouth out after you're completely done with everything, you'll be okay. But you will smell it immediately. I mean, when you do the fish, you're going to smell it, be right in your breath. It's going to be stuck. Well, in my yeah, mask, see, it's going to be stuck in either one I do. So, uh, you're breathing into that, and that, that air is just trapped. You know, I, it's funny how uh, James was on here for over an hour, like, talking and giving his opinions, and everything sounds fantastic. And now you and I are just talking about potentially throwing up and yeah nasty and now we're talking about puking and stuff but uh but we do have questions at least for spike that we're going to hold for when we do get to that part um we will get your questions yeah, yeah, spike already, if anybody else is later on a, but a yeah there was things, that uh, that people had asked to, to be brought up that not pertaining to return a figure but just other stuff in general yeah i hope you were keeping track because this is the one time i was not able to keep track of the chat i was always doing this I was just because it was a lot of conversing back and forth, so I couldn't catch everything. And plus, my computer seemed like it was on a slight delay. I think it finally caught up better. But after I had to do that hard reboot, it messed up. <laughs> and I did find, if you guys were looking, they do have the WWE Mas- you know, W Masters of the Universe or Masters of the WWE Universe yeah. um, ring with the two figures. They're at the Walmart uh, stores. They were on their website. They had the single card. Why did I hear myself? Uh, Am I hearing myself on Zoom? <laughs> I think that might be on James's end. Can you hear me? There we go. Yeah. Yeah, heard me too, but now I'm good. I don't hear myself no more. Thanks, James. Because I was talking like, wait a second. I'm hearing myself. That might be on James's Sorry, side. I was, I was trying to find, like, I've got three hard drives, and I was, they were connected to my other laptop, um, which is my kind of laptop that's always dying. It's one of those where, you know, as soon as you take out the power cord, the battery just goes, Pew! and you're like, oh, shit. Ah. So I was trying to find which one had all the... Um, it's basically it's quite funny. It's all the episodes that um, are, are on the official YouTube channel, but they gave them they gave me the raw files because when I when I worked on the official YouTube channel, they obviously wanted me to have access to all the episodes. So it's kind of groovy in that sense. But, Did uh, they do weird like little yeah, commercials yeah. or breaks like part where it felt yeah? Because that's what I was gonna say. I don't know what it's, you'll watch compared to mine. That's the funny thing as well is that some of the ones on YouTube are different to the ones I have. So I'm going to uh, guarantee with my Into the Abyss, <clears throat> excuse me, just calling out the file now, I guarantee that at some point there'll be like a, an annoying forced fade. I'm just kind of going, skipping through it to where I, I can't see anything yet. Well, I got some fades too. Like I yeah. said, there'll be part where they do something, they come out and then they come back. So hopefully it will stay somewhat, at least similar in the same time frame. But yeah. when you do get to the beginning to where we'll do the whole logo, let me know. Nathan has uh, the link, of course. Uh, you yep. have it in the description, yep. correct? Link if, is if down I play, below. I'm just going to do a test. If I play the audio to the episode now, does it? I don't want it to like come through or kind of affect the thing. <laughs> So can you hear it? Or? Yeah, I can hear it. Yeah, that's really. Okay, I'll just, I'll just mute. It. I don't need the dialogue. Yeah, you know it by heart, anyways. You know, you <laughs> read the whole damn script, the other different versions, all anything you can think of. Yeah, and and <laughs> I, I had to abandon our our little fancy setup for commentaries that we did last week because uh, not like it, it really mattered too much, but there was a, a copyright claim from NBC Universal just because hey! there's like a little bit of the, the video on there. I'm like, all right, right on. Ready to get our strikes and get knocked right off of YouTube. No, this, they, this little, they, little they don't really do it like that anymore. It's basically how this happened. They're like, oh, uh, we flagged it for copyright. Uh, if there's monetization on it, then uh, we're getting all the money. And I'm like, well, uh, good luck getting nothing because this podcast doesn't make jack shit. So congrats. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we'd be lucky. Yeah, we would probably have to pay them or pay somebody else. Like, we, no, we ain't getting no money off this. Don't worry. That was like a certain cartoon that me and Doosan created recently where 
they they already had copyright claims on it. And I was like, that's groovy with me. You know, you, you own He-Man. We're not making any money off this. So they monetized those videos. And then when they decided, you know, the whole cease and desist thing happened, they um, they took those videos down. And I, I said to them, I was like, you know, you, you uh, when I was speaking to the person from Universal, I was like, you had copyright claims on those videos. You, not that you were making loads of money off them, but you were, you were, you know, you were earning something from me. There's like a cent here or a cent there. So yeah. taking them down has only affected you and obviously everybody who wanted to watch the cartoon. But that's another yeah. story for another time. Another time. So, James, you let us know if you're all set and then I'll I will let up. Uh... I've literally got the Filmation logo on the screen. I'm just waiting for the ding. Yep. So I can press whenever you, whenever you, you the ding's going to happen. I can just ding yep. away. Well, I'll be sure to undo that countdown here. I'm going to get everybody ready. Hope they're okay. all set. And I'll do the countdown in three, two, one, play. And yeah, I think I'll pop my other earbud in as this is happening, just to hear a little bit because it won't affect anything. Because I have a, uh, well, I thought last time I did this last week when we did commentary, I told Nathan I was like, man, I thought there was some kind of interference when I did this, but I don't think there was. So what's, what's <laughs> I got paranoid. Just just to make sure we're in sync. What's on screen right now? I've got fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, the power of Grayskull. Oh, so we're in sync then, I guess. Okay, good then. And yeah, I'm sure we'll get out of sync maybe slightly during uh, the episode, but hopefully not. But this is a great episode. And what did you rate this in your book when you rated this? I, I had to look it up. Um, I mean, I, I didn't have to look it up. I was like, let me just make sure. Um, but it was 10 out of 10. Just because oh, it's funny, given the conversation we had about Revelation, this is the perfect example of what I want to see in character writing because Into the Abyss is a story with that doesn't rely on villains. The villain is Teela's in in inability to n notice what a cracked rock looks like and her falling into the, you know, a chasm, mm -hmm. as it were, right. uh, or the abyss. So, but what I loved about Into the Abyss, I mean, I could, well, I will wax lyrical about this, is just that it's, it's, it's a perfect episode in that it just... It, it takes everything that's been established before, so the heroes, the villain, well, the heroes, and that family. Again, what, if Kevin Smith, I'm really hoping he watched this episode above all others, um, yeah. because this to me is the one that defines that relationship between Adam and Cringer, Adam and Cringer's relationship to He-Man and Battle Cat, and Adam's relationship to Taylor. And it's just, it's great. And the, the fact that this episode starts off, Stop. I love it. I like that. And, you know, do you think that was the reason, like, it started off? Because, you know, you got Raven yeah. to the action because, obviously, we didn't get no more of this kind of action later no, no, in it. No, but this no, worked this is, for what it was done. It, it's clearly a, you know, I, I, I think, I'm i not sure if I ever spoke to Rob Lamb. Because I, I spoke to Rob Lamb, you know, I've been speaking to Rob Lamb for 21 years now. But I've never really talked to him, I don't think, about this scene. But it's clearly there for a reason. And I'm sure I, I wouldn't be surprised if when the episode was first written, this scene wasn't even in there. And then probably someone, one of the filmation heads was like, maybe add some action. Yeah. Add, add like a beast man in there just, but it's great because it starts off the episode with another, it's almost like you're coming out of an episode in which, you know, beast man yeah. attack the widgets. Well, God knows that was called beast man versus the widgets or a furry problem or something. And then it's like, Oh, and that was the end of the episode. And now we're back at, now we're at castle gray school doing a summary of the episode that we just missed. You know, it, it's really, it's beautiful yeah. in that sense. Yeah, it did, and it worked great. I mean, at some point you were thinking, like, did I miss something? Because how it started, you're like, you know, especially picture being a kid and maybe think, did they start this a couple minutes earlier? What happened? Because <laughs> yeah. it went right into battle. Then you hear Graceful, <laughs> then you're not at Graceful. <laughs> yeah, if you turned on, you'd have been like, what, what's happened? What, what have I just missed? Um, you're yeah, pissed I'm off, yeah. Because it's, 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 it's a really unique opening. You just don't – I don't – I can't recall many other episodes 
where She-Ra does it with Lucky. That's another Rob Lamb episode. I've just made that connection. Robert Lamb wrote Lucky Lends a Hand, which opens with Hordak blocking the way to the Whispering Woods for the Rebels. So you've got a whole situation there. But yeah, like I was saying earlier about the formation backgrounds, like Robert Lamb wrote this whole episode on the premise of, oh, let's try and showcase the power within the abyss. But um, yeah, I th- like the explanation of that too, of like they're saying it's the source of Grayskull's power, but they said it's bottomless, but not really bottomless. Like it's just to the center of Eternia. I like how they kind of give a little focus and explanation for those, and you know that's always a reason to build up to something too. Oh yeah, of course. It's like yeah, <laughs> it's like something's going to happen, guys. But um, yeah, no, no, I, I love the idea that the whole episode just revolves around this. You know, the 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 it's it's such a it is such a uniquely paced episode. There's just so much kind of. It is. It's just a talking episode. I remember, like Robert Lamb said, that when he first went online, he searched for He-Man, found our website, and it was just me and you know my my co-creator Zadok writing, just um, uh, praising this episode. And he was just like, "Wow, these guys really liked my my filmation He-Man and um, my my episodes." It was. I think it was. He read Into the Abyss and Not So Blind, so he saw those reviews and thought, "I might get in touch with these guys." And then after that, he kind of. As I was saying about Robert Lamb, it's like without him, I never would have become the He-Man expert because he gave me all that kind of behind-the-scenes knowledge and stuff, which expanded. And I remember, like in one of the um, scenes in the original script, there's a scene where obviously Teela here is looking for Prince Adam, and she stumbles upon Manny Faces and Ram Man rehearsing like a scene for a play. And it's like well, stuff like that would have been great, but I'm kind of glad it was removed because it's like you get straight to this fantastic scene where it's you know. Adam. I like this though. You get this from Adam. Like we said, when you're not He-Man, this is what Adam would like to do. And he was the first time he was kind of really, you know, dickish to Tila. He was kind of really mean to her. You can. This is what I love about it. It's like we always see Prince Adam playing the role of the prince, and here he's actually just tired of playing. Really? Yeah, yeah. I like it. She doesn't know any better. That's that's the beauty of it. Like Tila's like, I don't understand. You've been lazing here all day. And, it, and, you know, he's thinking, no, I just saved the widgets from Beastman. And then he just, but that's the best bit. When he dismisses her, it's so awful. That's like, you dick. And like cringer even. You know, <laughs> oh, mine just did a fade. God damn it. Mine so, did too. Mine did too. So we're I, on sync. Good. Good. Okay. But this confrontation is, is so beautiful. Like the dialogue here, I, I mean, I can recite off by heart, but it's this whole thing of just, you know, Adam finally admitting, you know, I'm tired of being he-man, and then Cringer acknowledging, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm tired of being a battle cab, but I hate to say, I'm, I'm, I'm sure glad he's around when I need him, and it's... um Yeah, I it's, loved it, I loved it. Yeah. It's two characters speaking to each other from the heart, and you only get it in this episode, because it's the only episode that really allows for it. You can have this scene, and it not be like... If, if suddenly, like, Skeletor attacked, you'd be like, what was the point of that scene? But this is all just character building, and it's so unbelievably perfect you get these and two for a show to where they sometimes say there wasn't really character building like no if you look oh, and you off. see there was character exactly exactly yeah. it's like no there was character building this one was a special moment it's the one that i always would keep harping on where i said you know about he-man and adam you'd be surprised you'd think that he-man would like to rest at times and then when he's adam he can't do that but you know he can do it but if he's to have a secret known he would have never had that moment to just relax he couldn't have it uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's immediately followed by this like beautiful scene where, you know, father and daughter are talking and she's trying to make sense of it. He knows the truth, but he's trying mm-hmm. to get her to deal with the problem in a unique way. And it's, it's so good. It's not like her just going, oh, dad, you know, Adam was mean. He's like, well, you know, blah, 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 you know, wink at the camera because he's really he-man. He tries to get her to solve it in a certain way. Like, right, let's try. I've got to try and figure this out without without really admitting to us the audience that he knows adam is he man of course he does but he's not playing that kind of 
almost cynical role of like, my daughter's stupid. She doesn't know these two guys are the same thing. It's 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 real again. It's from the heart. He's he's trying to you know guide his daughter in a way of going. Look, what are your strengths, and what do you think you can get out of Adam? And it's this yeah, you know, mixing work with fun. And it's like okay, and it's um yeah, it's fantastic. You get obviously this, this confrontation, the thing where again, and I like that he at least apologizes for how he treated her. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's so so perfect. But like, imagine we're we're what. Seven minutes into the episode, nearly eight minutes, and it's just characters talking in that filmation stock system. And yet, to me, it's some of the best storytelling to come out of the entire He-Man franchise because you've got, you know, oh no, Adam was better in the DC mini comics. It's like, what did he do? I mean, I remember like in the in the mini series, he drank and like you know, brawled with, around, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. That was don't get me wrong, I like that Adam as well. That was a fun Adam, but this Adam is just like. He's so much deeper. It's like, oh no, I play the role of Prince Adam, and you've got this relationship with the, you know, with Taylor, and it's, um, yeah, and this whole scene, like, so yeah, the background, just quickly, that's so. This is the Evergreen Forest. So as a kid, I would have said, no, it's not. Where's the green in it? But in in all the geography and stuff, this the twisting trees is the Evergreen Forest. It's like, yeah, like you said, nothing like that would look. You know, you don't get you don't get an Earth vibe when you look at this. It's like no, you no, completely you, feel like you've escaped into another world. Bunch, but they're just. They're uh, so kind of alien and twisting, like like behind Prince Adam there, that beautiful like the way it just kind of twists and bends and stuff. And it's like I understand what that is, but it's so alien that I know. You look at the shots of the heads, and it's like, but I know they're an alien world. Therefore, I'm immediately in fantasy. And I always love those backgrounds, the mountains they had in the distance, like those giant purple mountains. That was really cool. Yeah. But, uh, oh, the other thing I forgot to mention, like um, about the Adam, and again another scene I'm glad they took out was. When Teela originally finds Adam, instead of him being under a tree, she finds him like flirting with two women, and it's him doing that kind of you know Prince of Eternity like, hey, I'm a great swordsman stuff that you saw in I think it was Pawns of Pain or stuff. <laughs> well, you know he's you know shown in the cartoon at times you know being kind of slightly around with the ladies, a ladies' oh, man. But I know what you mean. Both of them are cool, but I kind of like the relaxing thing because it does show that oh, you need so to have a break. But it leads into that dialogue so much better with him and Cringer of just like, Phew. this is the, the I mean, sure. this is a comedy bit of the thing where it's just like, oh, now suddenly for the first time in the series, we're leaving footprints. But okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And you know, there was a reason because you're right. It's like they never show stuff like that. But they, at least they were attention to detail because, like, when Adam would walk, you'd see it. When he's walking back the other way, you'll see it again. So, yeah, you always knew there was a reason when they would show anything. Like when you'd watch the cartoon, let's say there was always just that rock that would sit there in a certain position. But when it looked <laughs> extra colorful, you're like something's gonna happen with that rock you know yeah, like if there was a mountain top and the top bit looked like a cell you're like well that's getting destroyed you know that's <laughs> right oh this this, you little, get this little thing this pookie was so he, the character design appeared in orko's missing magic first like as um wasn't a gronk um i think it was just i, I don't think it even had a name it's just like a little blue creature that ran around at the palace and it was designed by tom Sito, who was an animator and on He-Man and a director and a storyboard artist and then a director on She-Ra. But he he created these characters like the Gronk and Pookie. Um, and the design sheet is really cute because he's just like talking about shapes and how they should move and the things they should say. And um, But yeah, I think like Pookie is probably the one thing this episode doesn't need. But I understand again. Well, you know, like, yeah, because I was going to say this is the character. I was You kind of beat me too. I was going to like, I didn't like Pookie in the whole show. I was like, why is he even here? But he leads to something happening. Like there was a reason Pookie was put into this episode because yeah. you'll know when you see it. And, and also like the whole point is, you know, when, when Tila has her thoughts to herself, she can talk to Pookie. That's the best thing. Pookie acts as like um, a sounding board and it's not just her doing an eighties cliche of going, 
oh, I wish I could get out of this situation. Right. She can actually talk like to Castaway, being stuck Castaway, they yes. had to give him to talk to, to Wilson. Wilson. And, Wilson. And I thought Adam... Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Pookie's the Wilson of this episode. Wilson of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought Adam was like, Dad, I was like, what the hell just happened when he fell there? But it was funny because now we're going to get to the whole reason Pookie was put into this episode. And I was like, boy, something must have been pretty brittle or bad going on in Eternia. This day, it's like, everything's falling apart, which... The, the, I, like, I remember, so the the reason, I remember Rob Lamb, like, because the, the funny thing about this episode, if you were to watch a very cynical pair of eyes, you're like, where's the sorceress then? Why does the sorceress not come yeah. to her aid? And yeah. in, in the original script, like, the sorceress goes, flies out of the castle just as Tila arrives, and Tila sees Zor and goes, oh, I wonder where Zor's going to. So there was that scene supposed to happen, which explains why the sorceress isn't there. But this is, um, it's the scream is amazing, the blood-curdling scream. Yeah, I thought she'd like, damn, she's dead. I mean, that was a, and she fell a long way. So that's the thing. That it, was it's, a- it's such a great uh, bit of action. Because originally, like, yeah, and I remember Rob Bash saying this, one of the first conversations we ever had, he said, originally I wanted Act One to act one to end with her hanging onto the, the side of the abyss to be like a, a genuine cliffhanger. And I thought, I'm kind of glad they didn't do that because her fall is so much more dramatic. Because at the end of Act One, you're like, how does Tila get out of this? And also, I think Filmation were very much against leaving a character in peril. They didn't want a character to be hanging on for dear life because then you've got an ad break and kids are like, oh my God, Tila's going to die. It's just like, let her drop into the abyss and then we can go from there. But um, yeah, so it was, uh, I, I like this as well, this bit of the episode where Adam sort of like feels that, oh, Tila's gone back to the palace. He kind of feels that he deserved it because of what happened earlier. And I, that's, that's a really sweet bit, because it, it's, it's clear he's still kind of guilt-ridden by it. It's like, oh, yeah, I acted like a dick, so understandably, you know, she's not going to, um, yeah, she's not going to stick around. It was just like almost like a, a game she played to be like, yeah, I'm going to leave you abandoned walking around there in Green Forest. Uh, see you later, Prince. So, yeah. Yeah. And plus, you know, we get to get a little more scenery of seeing just this this dark chasm. Of course, it didn't go all the way down, but we've always seen some points where they fell into the abyss, and they're always stopped by something, which is good. But it, it kind of gives you a feeling of peril, wondering how will she get out. And eventually, yeah, we're going to see her thinking about the tracking devices. Maybe Adam will pick up on that, which she was talking about earlier. So that's kind of their version of sci- uh, a Wi-Fi or cell phones back yeah, in the yeah. day. So they're sure. ahead of their time. This Later, is, this, I still don't know what she wrapped her arm with. I, was, I, I you know, you let that pass, thinking, I don't yeah, know she got the right. Tila's always prepared. She's, you know, whenever she opens up her her jacket thing, she's got there under her like her bust. She always has like a grappling hook or something. So I was like, of course, she's gonna have some like yeah. bandages of some sort. Sure, but um. But this is like why you know this is where Pookie comes into the episode because it's like she can have a conversation and it plays off as if she's talking to this creature, which she is. It was a good idea because it would have looked a little silly of like you said, her constantly talking to herself and you know like inner monologue or thoughts. So having yeah, somebody to that's the only way you can do it. You're right. The only way you could have done this um, if you don't have Pookie there is just to have um, the old echoey thought. So it's just which we've seen in the series before, but with with Pookie it adds uh, it just adds a bit of. Uh, more character to it because it's not her inner thoughts it's her just going like what are we going to do how are we going to get out of this situation I, th- I think it's just like re- yeah, masterfully handled and then you've got obviously again just chilling out in his lab it's just like he's, he's the agony on in this episode he's just like yeah bring on your problems to me and I'll kind of try and solve them as best I can yeah this this track in particular always you know could it, it was mysterious it was spooky it was kind of creepy you know it kind of drew you in it's, and then it was you know nighttime when they were showing everything too and what you were is, thinking god how long has it been and adam i think said like four hours or four something hours, yeah so, duncan i'm worried it's it's what i love is when um 
when Man at Arms says around Castle Grayskull, let's go. Because you, you know that he thinks, like, if, if the tracking device is around Castle Grayskull, something's wrong. If Because if it's there, why hasn't she returned? It's that just that we know why it hasn't returned. But it's that moment in the character's like... Shit's gone. Shit's gone south. Literally, <laughs> very south. Yeah, um, because if she's at, yeah, Castle Grace will normally think, okay, she should have been saved by now. Something good should be going on. So yeah. if she's there and there's a problem, then yeah, something else is going on. But yeah, one of the few times we see a map of Eternia again, which was Eternia always looked on maps was more vertical than horizontal. I think I might be wrong, but um, yeah, it's, it's a few times you get to see those those maps. It's like oh, that's pretty cool. But uh, yeah. yeah Oh, there's the bandage. There you go. Yeah, she put on the rap trap ba uh, bandage right there. <laughs> yeah, rap trap. Yeah. <laughs> Poor girl can't stand up, though. Like, yeah, she'll it up. Better sit down. But it's going to lead to one cool last moment. Mine went to dark, came on, said, he, man, I think yours probably did the same thing. But yeah. it does lead to a really cool moment coming up here that <laughs> I, I, I get chills every time I see it. The funny thing is um, when um, – so there's a piece of dialogue soon where Adam like sees, shines the light over and sees the crack and he's like, this break is fresh. That means Teela came this way. And it's such a weird line because it sounds so, um, here it is. He says like this, like this, uh, break is fresh. the reason that sounds, it's like, shouldn't he sound more worried? It's because they took that dialogue for some reason out of an earlier scene where he's tracking Teela and he sees the break and he's like, oh, this break, that's why Teela came this way. But they decided to move it here. So it's like, oh, I'm seeing the break. And I just feel like that's the one part of the episode I don't like because it's just, he's way too calm about, that's a break. You'd be panicked like how Man at Arms had a reaction. He's like, what the hell? Like, you know, yeah, she fell. <laughs> And this, and like, and again, Robert Lamb going back to, like I said, to what came before, like Teela's quest, the sorceress Teela connection. I'll have the sorceress call out, and Teela suddenly feels the presence of her mother. And her it's mother, such a, it's touching. Oh, that was touching. Oh, yeah. it's a beautiful part point. But as a kid, this is the funny thing about this episode. I'll say it quickly before what happens happens. Is I was on holiday, and I set the video to record, so it was recording the episode. You know, the old timer in the eighties set the video. Yeah. I literally pulled, we pulled into the drive, I rushed into the living room, I turned on the telly. You know, back in the day, you turn on the telly and it fades from black. Because obviously, telly just doesn't come automatically, it warms up, doesn't yeah. it? Right. So I turned right. on the telly, and as the telly warmed up, no word of a lie, I'll never forget this day, I turned on the telly, it warmed up, and there was the shot of Prince Adam in his pose in front of the two moons. And I was just like, what's about to happen? I just, I just remember as a kid being like, oh my God. And I you, love this when it happens. Oh, it's, it's just one of the most, and it's it's really funny in the, in the storyboards. Yeah. It was something that in the script, it's just Adam transforms into He Man, the Abyss reacts. But the storyboards were like they say it. The storyboards, let's just make this the best, and it is one and of those. They did. Look at oh, this, the power going down to bring it up. Oh shit! It's, it's the bit when it comes up because and it's Teela's yeah. reaction. She's witnessing <laughs> He Man, like Prince Adam changing He Man. Doesn't <laughs> she doesn't know. even know what the hell's going on. Yeah. And it's that, that kind of upshot of all the parents, oh. like, oh, my God. It's like when you realize, you know, people are like, does that happen every time he transforms? It's like, maybe, not necessarily, but it's just one of the best visuals. That um, was badass. Oh, yeah. it's just it's just an incredible scene where you're just like, and it's like I say, it's the, the way it's staged, the way Prince Adam stood in front of the moons, and it's it, it just brings out all that kind of drama. And like I say, as yeah. a kid, if you turn on the telly, the telly warmed up, and I saw that, and I was like, what is this? You know, and then uh -huh. I went whole episode but um yeah and it's and it's it's great because you know you get all these scenes and it's almost like this is the part of the episode not i forget because i know this episode inside out but it's it's almost like the saving of taylor is an afterthought it's like you know she's gonna be saved you know he-man's gonna save mm -hmm. the day 
and even yeah. like this scene is almost just like you know it's part and parcel of a rescue part of the episode it's almost like the beast man scene it's like we've seen this a million times in the series so it's not it's not you know oh my god remember that scene when he-man and man at arms are in the abyss and they save Tila? it's it's just a passing by scene it's what comes after where you know Tila talks about feeling the presence of a mother and you're like oh shit yeah. this episode man it gets all the feels um and it's like yeah and i, mean, I, I love the bit when he-man turns to Tila and is like you know adam is very worried about you Tila, and it's just yeah. like oh and um, yeah, it's just it's just so, so. Although, like, I always laugh at this bit where she's got Pookie in her arms and then she hugs her dad. I'm like, "Where's Pookie gone?" She at got, least like, they gave him back to her because I was like, "Yeah, what happens? He getting crushed?" But then the next scene, you see Pookie again. But yeah, like you said, that's well, just goes, the reason. Oh, there's, yeah, He Man's like, "Oh, um, Pookie dropped into the abyss." She's like, "Nah, forget it." <laughs> <laughs> Pookie's dead. <laughs> well, at least I'm alive. But like, even this, so, like, there's no there's no acknowledgement of the sorceress. Like, Tila doesn't know she's there watching them, you know, and it, it's so beautiful, uh, the fact that you know, Tila talks about this and He-Man are like, your mother, and it's, um, they, because obviously they know the secret and stuff like this, and it's, yeah, just, uh, it's an incredible end to an incredible episode, it's just, and it, it's amazing, for a story that's character-driven and quite linear, it flies by, because you're just like, Jesus, that was a lot, a lot happened in that without actually happening, if you know what I mean. And it didn't feel slow-paced, even with not action happening. It didn't seem like it would make you lose your attention while you were watching it. You were just, just drawn in for the whole episode. The, the best structured episodes, because it is just so very simple. It's, um, you know, from it, it's literally a, a very simple plot. Tila falls into the abyss. That is all it is. It's not like, and then the subplot is, the subplot <laughs> is, is the characters. That's It relies on every, like I say, everything that came before it. Tila's quest, um, every time Adam and Tila of four, every time Tila has been to her father to be like, you know, da -da -da, it relies on Robert Lamb looking at a, a, some background notes and going, oh, okay, so the abyss is where the power of Grayskull comes from. Maybe I should explore that. Then it goes to the storyboard department, and Bob Ford, who storyboards the episode, says, maybe we should have, like, Prince Adam take the sort of power out, and he's, he's in front of the moons, and it's, like, really dramatic, and then, you know, he storyboards this entire scene where the power of Grayskull goes down and then comes back up. It reacts to Prince Adam's transformation. And it's just like, oh, God. You know, you that's that's where I talked about earlier, where the love the people had working on this show, your, your storyboard artist primarily, Rob Lamb, Bob Ford, were just like, they crafted this episode because it wasn't like they hated what they'd done. They, they enjoyed working on He-Man, but they just thought... There's some things in this series we're not exploring. Like Bob Ford was—he wrote the Rainbow Warrior because he he said Queen Marlena just she just sits on a throne, but she's got this entire origin of being an Earth astronaut. I'm going to bring that to the, and again. That's just people who love the the show they're working on going. Let's do something with this. Let's bring this to the forefront. Let's turn this into a story. And it was just oh, yeah, yeah, like that. You know, and before before we bring in Nathan and we start doing the Q and a in here, um, a question I have for you though, is I, I know you did that unofficial He-Man, you know, book a while back, but has there ever been thoughts of like just doing a book? Like, I didn't know if there could be a collaboration with dark horse, anybody else, but it's just, it's just a, a hypothetical question, but possibly showing a book with all the storyboard notes where you, is that anything you were ever interested in doing is maybe giving storyboards and the notes and putting in one big, I nearly did a book. I remember like working, and I've still got pages of designs where I did it, where I was going to do a, 
like an unofficial because I could have got away with it like in terms of copyright law if I was going to do an unofficial filmation storyboard book so in other words it would be lots of pages from He-Man and Shira but then other filmation shows which I think I have storyboards for some of those shows but that was my attitude it's like if I cover filmation's Ghostbusters or Black Star Brave Star even if I do storyboards for that um, like an entire book of all these different storyboards, then I can get away with including all these different storyboards. But then, you know, as time went on, it's like, um, I'm not sure what the mar- if the, the audience is there for it. And then, Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, at least for me, and at least when you post this stuff, when you're doing it on Facebook, Instagram, when you're posting some of these little quick little storyboard pictures, panels, or anything, I mean, it's just, they're amazing to see. Like, oh, God, that could have been part of the episode. That was something that, you know, maybe they were going to use. I think fans would love to see it. I mean, I don't know if they'll say it in the chat room, but trust me, I think... We would all love to see things that did not happen. And plus, even those pieces of the storyboard is really interesting. Like, you even get a hold of some stuff. I don't know what the hell that one was, but I swear you had a piece from um, uh, Fred Carrillo where it was something from, like, thing that they were going to use for Evil Seed, but it wasn't in the cartoon, but it was his style. I don't even know what the hell that was that you well, shared. That was like but Because the, 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 uh, it was weird with Fred Carrillo. Like, I called it layout artwork. I mean, do some kind of debate on that. It's like... He was credited as Fred. Fred Carrillo was credited credit, credited as a layout artist, but I think what he did was certain episodes. One was the Remedy. One was Evil Seed. Um, he did a few others. Uh, City Beneath the Sea was another one. I think what they did was call him in, or like because like I say he was he was a um, character designer and I think he did a few other things, but he would sit there, and they'd say, "Here's the script for Evil Seed." He's like, "Okay," and I think what he did was went through the script and visualize certain scenes. So I've got like, uh, I think even like Emiliano has as well, page after page of just Fred Carrillo illustrations from Evil Secret. They look beautiful. I mean, shit, the stuff that he did for all the other types of books and things. I mean, those are just all like their own piece that could be framed. That's why it's like, I think fans would love to see those along with the other ones that, yes, there's those quick little, you know, storyboard, you know, pictures and art. But my God, just to see anything from from with Fred Carrillo, because yeah, he's one of my artists that I love seeing you know, from the past. And damn, I think, yeah, if you were to release a book with anything with storyboards and concept art and stuff like that, I think fans would go nuts. But I know like nowadays, like you said, there's more legal stuff. You probably well, I was going to say, right, to I'm, I'm kind of playing it, you know, very safe after what happened with the return of Faker. It's like, yeah, I'm probably, it's like people, you know, I'm not even, <laughs> put it this way, like I, I went through a phase um, of, of, I don't want to get too much into this because I don't want to paint anybody as the bad guy or anything. But um, I went through a phase of, not a phase, just every once in a while I post videos from He-Man and She-Ra. I'm like, oh, here's one of my favorite scenes. Here's one of this. Here's one of that. When I got the Return of Faker Cease and Desist, um, Universal went through and took down all of my He-Man and She-Ra videos from Instagram. It was like about 46 different videos. And I was like, wow, they really went after me. And I was like, okay, fair enough. The only frustrating thing is... It's like I see videos on Instagram all the time from E-Man and Shira. It's like, okay, well, I guess now I'm an exception to the rule. I'm not that's there. So I'll play, you know, I'm more than, it's like, guys, you own the cartoon. I'm not going to fight you on that. Right. But I just felt like, oh, that was a bit unfair. Like, all I was doing was talking about, like, I love this. I love that. I'm not making any money off that. It wasn't like I was monetizing Instagram videos. I don't even, I can't even do that. It was just, here's a scene from Into the Abyss. I think I posted at one point the transformation. They took that down. They took, they took oh, a few. Oh, wow. Anything, huh? Wow, that's a shame. Because I didn't mind, I was, I mean, I minded, but I was like, oh, I understand why you took down the Return of Faker videos because you didn't want that being a thing. But to take down, like, scenes from the intro and stuff, it's like, really? That's, that's, that's struck that me as... anybody shares, yeah, Yeah, that's struck me as a bit like a bit of a real personal attack. So after that, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I won't post anything to do with yeah. Return of Faker yes, or no. any cartoon clips, which is a shame because I, I, I used to love... 
posting clips and saying like, oh my God, check out the problem with power, check out Into the Abyss. And it's like, right, all those videos are now gone. I'm such an, I've got like a, you know, I'm partial OCD. It's like the fact that those videos like no longer exist now. It's just like, oh man, it really frustrates me because they were there and they were part of my history of Instagram. And now, that's what I mean, I mean, you're just sharing the love. Like you said, you weren't doing that to like, you know, make any money. It's like, you're just sharing out of love. Like I would hate the thought of if they got pissed at me for anything, because that's all I've posted on Facebook for the past 10 years is He-Man stuff in Friday the 13th. So if that goes, yeah. then damn, I'm, I'm all coming for you like, next, Joe. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> no, I think when it comes to like photos, so, um, like images of Return of Faker, they they allowed those to stay up. Like any still images from oh, Return okay. of Faker, so any images of any still images is fine. I think it's when it just comes to moving material, like any videos, that's where they have an issue. And it's like, okay, that's fine. I, for Return of Faker, that's fine. But I just I thought going after any videos I've ever posted of He-Man was just like ah. There was one they missed, and I was like, oh dear. But um, I, just, I was just like, ah, just it, 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 it was. I, I was disappointed. But like again, I'm not going to fight NBC Universal because no. they've got. No, no. It's unfortunate. I mean, fans were so excited about that more than anything I've ever seen when it came to He-Man. It's, it's unfortunate, but um. I mean, the, well, the, I was gonna. The oh, yeah. thing, what we did, like the Return of Faker, is um, yeah, I, it's one of the. It's, I'd say next to the animated adventures book, the Dark Horse book, it's probably one of the best things I ever did. I know Doosan, like like me, is equally bummed out. It's like oh man, and like Andrew Kramer, Yuka, and Keith Seymour. Are you like, going to spoil something? I've never seen it, but uh, it's still, are you going to spoil something? Because I'm going to have to take on my earplug. Oh, no, 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 no spoilers. Don't worry. No, okay. no, no, no. Okay. I, was, I was just saying, like, we were all really, really gutted by it. It was just like, you know, 32 minutes in the can, as it were, like, all done. It's just like, oh, now we're never. But, I mean, like, the only, the only thing I will say is if anybody's like, we're never going to get to see it, it's like, it, it, you will get to see it at some point. It's just, it may be a year or two off, which is which sucks. But in that year or two, I've already said to do saying, you know, I'm sure he's going to be like, no, but I've already said to do saying, let's add like maybe a scene in there just for fun. Like, because now we've got time, like there was a few mistakes <laughs> we made in it. Like there was an error where Faker's holding Orko. That's not a spoiler, but his, his hand is below Orko. So he's not actually holding him. It's just like, it was like a model sheet pose, but it's like his hand is clearly under Orko. So he's not holding him. So um, ah. it's like a few little tweaks here and there. Plus I thought I really want to put a scene in like a certain scene and a few little tweaks here and there just to well the thought of if we could still like you said after a year or two will, actually see this that'd be amazing the way the way i look at it is look it took us i worked out recently i was asked recently how long it took um and i worked out we came up with the idea we first came up with the idea of the return of faker in i think it was late 2015 was when no it might was it late 2015 and we were Jeez, I think it was. And we were, um, yeah, coming up with all these ideas and then posted it on the official, we did the teaser. And originally it was just going to be like a little fight scene. And then it just expanded and grew. And then when the official He-Man YouTube channel said, you can't you can't do this, it was like, okay, we'll just do it unofficially then. Like, no, make no money off it. And then, yeah, from, I think it was like 2016, 17, 18, yeah, I spent three years uh, working really hard on it. And then... Yeah, finished it, and it was just like, oh man, you know, fifty days before we're due to show it, we're like told if you show it. What are the odds? What are the it's, odds? It's, 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 it's thing like you know, like I said, my friend who works in who works for Disney told me something about why that happened. What, as in, why the Return of Faker? And it was it, it is as simple as you don't own the the rights to it, and it's like, yeah, I know. Neither do I. I guess the thing that that 
got me and everybody else in a little miffed was just the thought of, okay, like you said, yes, you don't own the rights to it. You always said it was, uh, it's a fan project. It wasn't official. You weren't making money. And like, okay, for example, I always say Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, that's been going through some crazy legal limbo for years. I mean, there's some things going on now. It's just insane. But there's been fans that have been making Friday the 13th fan films where, again, no money's being made tons of them and they pop up on youtube all the time it's like why is there sometimes exceptions to the rule in different cases like i didn't see it i was like they should understand you are making no money from this the then what's the thing issue? I'm say, the only, this is incredibly arrogant is and someone a few well, not someone a few other people said this as well as, as well as someone in in quite a high position and in, in, um they might just, think you did a better job than you're than a certain basically said not you did a better job it's you did too good a job on it is yeah. the People saw the clips, they saw the previews, there was a lot of hype around it. Mm. And I think that's there where was. and that's where classic media or sorry, Universal had the issue in that um, they don't and I understood this to a degree, is that we don't want any confusion. We don't want people to think this right. is official. It's like, I get it, I get that. But um, you know, like I say, if I was making any money off it, then of course. But we were literally the plan was, and I even told Universal this because I exchanged many emails with Universal, and then eventually I just stopped. But my, I'd said to them, just let me show it at PowerCon just the ones which they wouldn't allow, and I was like, and just let me, um, you know, I'll just upload it to YouTube for free. I even offered it to them. I said, look, I'll give it to you. You can do whatever you want with it. You know, release it on DVD, make money off it. I said. We, we literally made this out of pure love. It's like our love letter to formation. So, you know, I can't talk about it at length, but all I can say is that plan, plans are in the work that at some point, hopefully, we'll all get to see it in some way or another. So, um, well, that so will be a great gift. And all yeah, I can, if I can say is by the time people get to see it, it will be even better better than it is now. And we think, you know, it's, we if it's, I think it's like the best it can be, but I think there's a few little tweaks we can make, and you know, and it's like, oh. Spoiler alert, guys! He was putting Majo Lock. He did a little altering to Majo yeah, Lock. He put a star. He put a hood. He's, he's in the background, like sweeping something or doing something. Makes no sense. Or he's in, a, as Nathan would say, you're going to see a garbage can in the background, and you're going to see a Majo Lock. Yeah, where, where, where did that come from? I don't know. Yeah, that's, yeah. Where did that come from? Yeah. Exactly. But a, it was. I was going to say, any questions you guys have? for James or me or Nathan, but heck, if you want to hit James all you can, start popping them in now. And I just noticed something while watching this video. Um, I, uh, Nathan wanted me to send a blank template so he could put you like in the part of the Masters of the Universe vintage card back logo like he does for me. And of course, the center of this photo that I'm looking at right now on YouTube, Nathan's in the the power of Grayskull. He's right in the middle of the jawbridge. But uh, I, I didn't know exactly everything you wanted, Nathan, because I would have gave James a name, oh, yeah, and I would have no, gave him, like, hey, a little hey, tag. Hey, you're good, because when I hit you up with that, that was, what, about 5 o'clock? I'm like, yeah, we don't really have time. Just send me send me a blank one. Oh, okay. Because usually, All right. well, usually no when problem. I yeah, ask you. Joe to do something like that, he gets back to me about, like, five <laughs> days later, and I'm like, well, I don't need it anymore. Thanks. <laughs> I've been getting a little bit better. I've been getting a little bit better on it. I apologize. But now we're going to hit some of these questions. Let's see. Uh, uh, Zentron said, in homage to Joe's t-shirt tonight, James, who is your favorite Dungeons and Dragons cartoon character? I was going to say that. Is that the, the, the shirt you're wearing? That's the one from the UK annual, I think. Because that's Tiamat. Has he got all the characters at the bottom? You know what annoys me about this shirt? I love it because first, let me just say, it's one of the first times I've seen some like Dungeons and Dragons merchandise at a store. But... 
they left out um, Sheila. And I, I always say, okay, well, they left her out, but you know what? She turns invisible, so I guess she could be there. But then you have Venger not writing Nightmare. He's writing Tiamat. I'm like, what the hell is Venger writing Tiamat for? It's like things just had me... Like that that shirt, like I say, it was. Um, I think it was the UK. It was a cover of like a UK annual. Um, I didn't know. I bought this at, uh, believe it or not, GameStop. It was there and it was on clearance for seven ninety nine. And I, what? um, a lot of inconsistencies on the shirt. Still cool, but I just didn't get it. But I go ahead and mention that. My favorite character by far is Eric the Cavalier. I loved, like, Dungeon Dragon is one of my favorite cartoons of all time. We did in the UK when they released them on DVD back in. God, 2003, we did commentaries for the episodes. It was so much fun. It was like we um, we sat in this studio and we recorded we recorded eight, uh, ten commentaries. There were four of us in the room. It was like the producer, me, my friend Dave, and, a, and another and a girl. I like, was a big fan of uh, Dungeons Strings. And we sat there and we recorded like it was so funny how the first episode you're kind of like, hi, welcome to the commentary. By the by the second, you're kind of getting into it by the foot, like into it as in you building up more and more confidence doing the commentaries. By the end, we were just like, you know, just laughing our heads off going, oh, this is I could imagine. And, um, but I loved Dungeons and Dragons is a show I could, I haven't watched it in years almost purposely because it's like, I've got such good memories of it. And it's Jake, not like, just want to let you know, the whole time you're talking, I'm seeing Nathan smiling. No, Nathan, I'm not going to do it because he knows he's like, Joe's going to start the rant about the final episode. I'm not going mean, to do it, you're, Nathan. You're so every like time you were talking. He's enjoying what you're saying, but he has this, this shit-eating grin because he's waiting for me to lose it because I've a done couple? it a couple times about Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, all right. Sure. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But, James, well, thank you for that. You said Eric, and yeah, a great character, as, yeah, they all are fantastic. Um, Carlos has a question. And Carlos, by the way, is the one that, when he got that two-pack with Adam and He-Man for Origins, he's posting all these cool pictures and swapping out heads, then doing things with wrestlers. Now he's got the WWE Origins, and he's oh, doing nice. that, too. So Carlos does amazing pictures, and he has a question. He says, what is James' take on the Origins line and the WWE Masters toy lines? And he says, um, yeah, thanks in advance. So what are your thoughts on um, um, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of WWE anyway. I've been watching it since 1998. On and off. I, I'd say, like, I went through a period during the height of the John Cena years of just being like, oh, I don't want to see John Cena versus Randy Orton for, like, the 500th time. Um, so I was, a big, I was a big fan of, you know, when, when the Attitude Era blew up, I kind of got into that, you know. I was, I was a big fan of wrestling when I first got cable in about 93, so I was watching matches with, like, the 1-2-3 kid and Razor Ramon and D- Diesel. Yeah, but, then, but then you also and got, Brett, you also got stuck that? watching, like, Mantar matches too, huh? Yeah, Doink the Clown, um, uh, Adam Bomb, and stuff like that. I mean, like it was it was when you know Vince, my m- man, was doing all his um kind of every character had to have like Duke a gift. the Dumpster Josie and Duke the Dumpster yeah. Josie came out to that beep the back of the you know the the, the reverse you know now mode. it's time to take out the trash. Oh, oh so many trash. and um uh, D- T L yeah. Hoppo was the the guy and it's all that shit like and then you know transition. I remember after about two or three years that I was like oh I'm not watching this crap and then. I came back into it when uh, the Attitude Era, it was really, it's amazing how your mind re- remembers things just as you're talking about them. Uh, the He-Man mailing list back in, oh God, 96, 97, I think it was about 97, someone posted an image of, it was He-Man's head um, on on Triple H's body, who I looked at and I was like, oh, that's, that's the wrestler Hunter Hearst Helms is, I remembered him. And I remember, like, the, I also remember this image this day. He's doing the crotch chop, you know, the DX suck it crotch chop. And I'm looking at this image, and the first thing I notice is like, 
oh, the ring ropes are all red. I was like, I remember WWF was like red, white and, and blue ring ropes. So I kind of sought out. I was like, let me watch this. You know, see, I haven't seen wrestling in like four or five years at this point. So I turn it on and it was like the Attitude Era was happening, like DX. And I was like, oh, my God, it had gone from being, you know, a a kid's product being a TV 14, which is something they yeah. intentionally did. And it was just fascinating to watch. And so I watched it for a good few years after that was Stone Cold Steve Austin, the rock, all that stuff. Um, when, when, you know, WWF acquired WCW, I was into that. And then kind of a few years after that, I kind of went away from it. Like when, um, when Stone Cold left, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, he was like such a great character to watch kind of went out of it. And then it's like over the last, I'd say probably about, I'd say 10 years, I've kind of more or less got back into watching it and stuff. And also there's so many awesome things like um, there, there's a WWE referee, John Cone, who he and I are mates, are friends, I should say mates. It's obviously weird. It doesn't carry well into the American colloquialism. Um, uh, John Cone who's a re- WWE ref. Um, many, many years ago, I was just on Twitter and he, he tweeted me and he's like, I'm a big fan of your serial geek magazine. I was like, okay. And he posted a photo. I was like, Oh my God, he's the referee from WWE. And um, yeah, to this day, he comes to every PowerCon and he's just one of the loveliest guys. And um, oh, I nearly said something that I could have got in trouble for. But he, let's just say he he supports, supported so much the return of Faker. And um, at PowerCon, he was just, he was saying just the best things. And he bought, you know, he bought his, bought Serial Geeks and stuff. And he's just such a lovely guy. And it's like, oh my God. And then the next time I saw, you know, a few weeks later, I see him and he's, you know, doing a uh, refereeing a match between, you know, I don't know, Seth Rollins and The Fiend or something. It's like, wow. So um, when they, you know, when they were teasing and announcing, let's say, the the crossover with Marcy Universe, it was like, it was, you know, it was never, I, I always thought it was going to happen many, many years ago when, I think it was on a WWF website, they had, um, who are your favorite Marcy Universe characters? And it was like Kofi Kingston, John Cena saying, oh, I loved this character, Seamus going, oh, I see myself as this guy. It was, it was that kind of thing. So I'm surprised it didn't come sooner, but obviously Mattel have had the WWF license for many years. So I I think the thing I like about it, like I'm not, you know, I'm not a big action figure collector, but I like, like you say, this Carlos chat is, it gives, it gives these customizers like yourself, Joe, it gives you more ability to go, shit, we can mix even more stuff up. And also it's fucking restless. You can put John Cena's head on like and paint him blue and put him on, you know, I don't know, Skeletors or something. You know what I mean? You can mix him up and stuff. And it's, it does. I mean, it's a. It's and plus, it's getting people ready for Origins next year. But I mean, I just got the the ring with the two figures, which I'll show next week. But uh, yeah, great looking body designs, and and it's the only time I think the universe. Just real quick, I think it's the only yeah. time because I always hate hearing the WWE universe. I, just, I hate. Yeah. But this works for this because it's a masters of the WWE universe. But otherwise, yeah, that I've always is, hated. That it. is the one time it has worked. So obviously, when they slowed yeah. it, and that was about ten years ago, and they would be like, "Look at the WWE universe!" And whenever a, a person yeah. that, says that, it's like you've just made this promo sound so incredibly scripted. If it didn't already, I hate it. I hate it. Um, I mean, I, I, I feel like they've in recent years they've lessened on the WWE universe uh, term, but um, it's still there. It's still present because obviously. Oh, it is, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I guarantee, if you looked up copyright, I bet I bet they copyrighted WWE Universe with like a trademark. But um, the Origins line, yeah. So when I first when they did the was it the San Diego Comic Con the two pack? And yeah, yeah. They showed they the were- Adam and He Man. I was like, 
that's awesome. I, I was really into it. I was just like, that's really good. I love it. I love the, you've seen Blue Vest Adam. You've got He-Man. You've got that little mini comic kind of thing, which I still haven't read all of because I haven't got it. But it was like, oh, I can see what they've gone for. And mm-hmm. they're kind of going down that Alfredo Alcala, DC Comics kind of influenced route. I was like, this this could be really good. Like, maybe we'll get the Master yeah. Power Demons. Maybe we'll get... Um, you know, uh, Skeletor looking like this, or Trapjaw looking like this, or Fisto looking like he did in the Alcala minicom with the slightly long hair and uh, all cool stuff. And then the rest of the figures were revealed, and it was like, what? It to me, there was it. It, it was it. Uh, that's no disrespect. Like uh, you know, I love all the all those um, all the Mattel stuff, but it was just like I feel that it's. And this is just me talking. I don't you know, I don't want to talk out of turn, but I just feel it's kind of it. To me, it feels like really unfocused. Like so they did because, the, like, especially seeing characters like Scare Globe popping up, and you figured, like you said, maybe they had something they're going to go with different. Like you said, in a direction way, I thought, hey, maybe they were going to start off doing a lot of the earlier stuff or more Alcala or mini comic. But now you can see they're just pulling characters from all sorts of different, you know, times when they were released. Like no specific thing. No, I didn't know what the, quite the focus was going to be either. When, to be when, honest, I think the one that did it for me was when I saw Man at Arms, and I was like. That just looks like a taller version of the original figure. Like there's, there was no real thing there to make me go, oh my god, I need this figure. It's like, well, classics already did it. That's the problem. I think is we've, to me, we've already got one of the best toy lines ever with classics. I don't. I, th- I think. I think it's. I think the thing is, it's kind of given in a way, maybe a little best of both worlds, because you're getting the vintage style look and almost size, but you're getting a little more articulation, like you did with classics. I don't know if as much, obviously, it just, it just, as classics. In this day and age, when you can do that much detailing on figures, it, it just surprises me that they're going for quite uh, basic detailing. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no, really, and there's almost maybe a nostalgia factor. They might be trying to poke right into the hearts of the fans back in the 80s, and the price point is a little more respectable with what they're doing. They can yeah. give us a fourteen ninety nine figure, but doing more to it or extra detail would jack the prices probably right back up. But, but anyway, it's, it seems, one those, yeah. it's one of those things where I'm just not really into i guess the line it's like i've seen the figures and it's the only ones i want i guess or would be interesting in owning is the two maybe you've seen different ones yeah maybe if you got newer characters too if we got other characters from the mini comics that were never made in the figures or from the filmation cartoon or any other of the types of you know media for masters that could suck you know people in too like me i'm just gonna want them because i just i think they look great i i have to get these suckers but i can understand people feeling like I already got those in vintage. I got them in, you know, 2000X. I got them in classics. I don't need to see He-Man all them again. There's probably people that feel like that. But I think maybe if you do give some of the other characters, it'll make them all blend and mesh together uh, a lot better. Like I said, I finally got Shadow Weaver from uh, uh, that figure, the vintage style one that Super 7 put out. I finally got her, and I put her with my vintage collection. And beyond the crazy three terror figures, or cursed three terror figures, that's the only newer figure that I put in my vintage collection because she kind of fit. So yeah, absolutely. No, it was it was I loved working on those Super Seven. It's such a shame they kind of stopped for the moment. It was because um, like I worked on those with like uh, Emiliano, the Pat the Proud Honor Foundation and stuff. And it was yeah, uh, you did some of those like uh, mini comic insert yeah, uh, so like I was, you know, uh, for for a lot of the late ones, I mean, I was really great. And he said, "Do you want to kind of basically do sketch the layouts for the characters?" So if you look at the Shadow Weaver art card, the back one, there's two great things about that. One, I did the basic layout of it, where Shira, I did her reaching for a sword and Shadow Weaver's shadow coils, 
like trapping her and Hordak stood on his throne like pointing. So then um, Emiliano sent that to, and, and then I said, look, I, there was one guy I've known for years who worked on Serial Geek. He did a few covers for Serial Geek called Adam Moore. And um, he's like a really super talented artist. And he said to me many years ago, he goes, I'd love the opportunity to work on something official. So I just, I, I when Emiliano was like, um, Errol McCarthy can only do so many. And I said, look, I said, can I hit up Adam Moore? I was like, you know, you know his work. He's like, yeah. I said, I said I'd really love to get him a gig on Masters, like to, to be able to say, you know, look what I did. So I basically did the layout and um, Adam Moore illustrated that card back of Shadow Weaver, the Shadow Weaver card back. And I was like, that, that to me was just, that was an honor for me. You guys get... all did a great collaboration. All of and you it, was, guys it was a really nice piece. When I saw it, I was just like, oh, God, he's such a good artist. Um, he did uh, the Secrets Out two-part for um, the Serial Geek 13 and 14. And again, that was just just magical to work on. But yeah, it's, um, it's such a shame that kind of line and a lot of the Super 7 stuff is just kind of not ended, but just kind of entered into limbo because of yeah. the Origins line. So it's like, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think... Yeah, we'll see what the future holds, definitely. Yeah. And I know we don't, like I said, we got uh, limited time with you because I know you'll eventually have to be hitting the hay here because it's really late for you, but I'll try to get in a couple more. Uh, Adam Gabbert says, uh, what are your thoughts on the Golden Book videos of Masters of the Universe and Princess of Power? Um, we never got them in the UK, so I, I didn't see them until probably the late mid to late 90s when the internet first happened and someone was like have you ever seen these golden book videos and i was like oh cool um yeah just I, it's quite funny i'm not going to say like oh the animation bugged me because i'm still i'm a massive fan of the 1960s marvel superheroes cartoon so thor uh, captain america Submar thor captain america submariner hulk and Iron Man, those cartoons, the 1966 Marvel Superheroes, is like my favorite, some of my favorite cartoons of all time. And they just took comic strip panels of Jack Kirby, Don Heck, um, various other artists, uh, I think a couple of Steve Ditko's when he did The Hulk, and just animated them. So very limited animation. Obviously, that's what the um, Golden Book videos did. But I just, for me, the Golden Book videos just, you know, we had filmation, man. It's, um, it was just maybe I saw them too late. Maybe if I'd seen them as a kid, I'd be more fond of them. It's a, it's always a different feeling. Was, yeah, I, I, don't even, I, don't, I owned them at one point on VHS. I don't own them anymore. That's how much I I, I care for them. And that's not that's no like when I heard judgment. Yeah, because like the record books, like I heard a lot of the record books and heard their voices and was fine with it because I heard that before the cartoon came and then the cartoon came, I was fine with it. But then like I remember Tyler, you know he. <laughs> when he would listen to some of those, you know, like record story books and stuff in different voices, like, oh God, you know, to him, that's not He Man. That doesn't sound like He Man. So I can understand hearing things oh, yeah. in a different order, how it is. So now, this next question is one that has already been answered, but I'll, I'll still say it. I'm probably going to butcher the heck out of the name. But was Gadalex said, James, what are your main, uh, what are the main things you are hoping to see in Revelations? And she said, it's Alexandria from PowerCon. Well, he oh, did that. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely, he got that earlier in the show, so if you just kind of tuned in later, if you go back, you're going to hear all the thoughts he had on Revela uh, Revelations, because if he hit that again, we'd be here for another hour and a half. But uh, <laughs> he did do that earlier, but he said thank you for that. And yes, DJ Tags, very patient with me. Yeah, some things that I was doing for customs, and he's been a patient man. Uh, let me see. Zentron said, by the way, James, the cells haven't arrived before the weekend, so hopefully they'll arrive tomorrow. So there might be some cells that Zentron probably ordered from you, I'm assuming. I guess but, like uh, I don't know. I batch, I guess, yeah. Okay. Um, Grim Grimbot, hey, he's got a question. Hey, we don't I don't know. <laughs> Basic. Question for James. 
How would you react if you lost a set of keys at a convention? Oh, he's such a dick. <laughs> what a dick. Yeah, we'll go to the next question. Um, I got to wait. I got so lost. Dang, God damn you, Grimbot. Why would you do that? Um, I can't. I don't even know what the hell happened because he oh, messed me up. Um, wow. I don't know what to do, Nathan. I'm trying to wait. Dead to send it to Grayskill said. Oh, Jesus. At first, Themon mm-hmm. said Jane Zetok is the heroic keeper of Secrets of Shimer, so that's a good tagline. Oh. Um, Descendants of Grayskull, do you think He-Man and she should be separate on cartoons, or do you prefer the separate license? Oh, I think the separate license, I've always thought it's ludicrous. Like the, the, It makes no sense. Um, I think... Let's, without sounding like a massive dick, um, right now I'm thankful they're a separate license because yeah. I think I think they can make a He-Man cartoon and not think, okay, how can we... I mean, let's say... I, um, I don't think you can do it. I was going to say what would happen these days is... I've seen... I recently saw it with... Um, I was watching an episode of um, Teen... Oh, I, I saw they did like something called... Teen Titans go meets the Teen Titans, and it was like this fun thing where they go through all the different versions of Teen Titans. So it's like the really cutesy, comical ones now meeting the ones from the early noughties. Um, and I thought, I, as I was saying this, like, oh, maybe She-Ra could cross over into the new He-Man cartoon. That really wouldn't work because it's not a case of a different mixing of. You've got two totally different separate brands trying to. Yeah. Just, it wouldn't work. It's like it would work if yeah. if if He-Man suddenly turned up in the She-Ra show, as in their version of He-Man, and then came into the new He-Man universe in some weird multiverse thing because that seems to be all yeah, the right. Yeah, because they're just in two different types of age brackets, yeah. looks, design. It wouldn't make sense. You couldn't it's, have it's, like let's say twenty-year-old He-Man and twelve year old she-ra it's, yeah it wouldn't make it, sense it would it would it, it would conflict it wouldn't make any sense to cross those sure. like don't get me wrong like if 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 um if kevin Smith suddenly you know episode 26 or something they announce guess what we're getting she-ra and you're like oh god and then it turns out to be she-ra and you're like oh my god this is this yeah, is, if we had a heroic warrior She-Ra, yeah. the one that comes to save day that you feel safe, like she would kick ass to protect you. That's some yeah, I'd like to see that. But That'd I see it. what you mean. But there is one more question for you before we wrap it up, because like I said, I know your time is limited. But Fedmon had a final question. Oh, that's fine. Fedmon said, What is the status of the last two issues of Serial Geek? Oh Jesus. Um my my eternal bane. Um <clears throat> they're they're pretty much done. It's just I just need to get them published. But unfortunately it's like um yeah, it's 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 money. Unfortunately, I never got enough uh, orders to do. I was I, I did pre-orders, God, many many years ago now, an absurd amount of years okay. ago. Be sure to do that right here. Like you know, just as you finish, pimp all of your websites, anything you have for sale, and places people can go to click. Like with with regards to serial gig, it's like something I really really want to finish because it is it is something that hangs over my head like. <clears throat> constantly it's like wow these people put a lot of faith and trust in me and patience and nearly f- i guess nearly f- six years later i still haven't delivered these last two issues and it's just is there are so many things that factor in like like i say not didn't get enough pre-orders so <clears throat> excuse me so financially i mean was, could people still pre-order if they wanted if like let's say hypothetically you got more pre-orders now can, could that help you at all pre-orders I, it's one of those things where as soon as i get it printed i will literally be paying for people to get the magazine if that makes sense because postage costs have gone up since i took pre-orders because postage costs over here just go up all the time um mm-hmm. 
it's going to be it's going to be a ludicrous outing. So I need to be in a position financially where I've got more money than I should. That which sounds crazy because I, I basically got no money at the moment. I did all those eBay sales and that went off to paying debts um, that I'd incurred from America. Um, so hopefully in the next you know few months I'll get money again, and at some point I'll just reinvest in Serial Geek for those two issues. But I have. A few people recently, and I've, I've kind of looked into it about turning, making Serial Geek. A, the only problem about this is, I was going to, I was thinking about making Serial Geek like a digital publication and releasing all the first fourteen issues, and then fifteen and sixteen digitally, um, so that people can get them on like websites like Comicsology and stuff like that. But I know for a fact that I'm not sure that'd be too beneficial because. You know, you, you can go on a few websites, one that Dusan and I use, where you can already read Masters of the Multiverse. So there, yeah, you know, I know what you mean. a comic yeah. comes out and it's 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 already illegally published. Spread like, for everybody to get for free, then. Yeah, yeah. so my, my attitude is like, Serial Geek is something I cannot afford to give away for free. Oh, if I make no. it digital, people would just be like, oh, well, you can download it here and that's great. But, you know, and... Uh, not to quote Egon Spengler, but like, you know, print is dead. And I, I don't quite believe that, but less people are inclined to buy Serial Geek than ever before. But in answer to the question, I, I really hope I can get them printed. I say this every, like, literally every year I've said this, like, oh, I, I want to get them done by the end of the year. It's just, I really, really need to get them done. I, I did a thing at the start of this year. If you go back on Instagram, like the first post of 2019 is, here's my objectives for this year. And one was, <laughs> one was visit New York. I did that, tick. One was complete the return of Faker. Did that tick? Although tick asterisk not published. Um, one was, I think one was complete issues fifteen and six in a serial geek big cross, and the other one was, I think the other one was get those. Uh, you got one of them as well. Get those filmation master tapes transferred digitally. Um, and I tried to do that in London. Now London about ten years ago had so many dub places where you could go and be like, I've got this. Court wrench master from 1983. What can you do with it? And they'll be like, "Oh, no problem. We'll convert." I went to about eight or nine different places, going, "I've got these master tapes." They're like, oh, "Let's have a look," and they'd open and be like, "Yeah, we can't do anything with that." I'm like, "You're kidding. You're a dub house." And and quite a few of the places I went to go to just weren't there anymore. So it's like, what do I do with these damn masters? And it's one's Skeletor's Revenge, one's the greatest adventure of all, one's Taylor's Triumph, the problem, with, the problem with power, and I think the arena. It's like I've got some classic episodes. You've got, I think, the greatest show in Eternia. So it's, we've got those episodes on those master tapes. It's just like I'd love to just convert them and be able to see them. But again, something I failed at this year was not was uh. getting done. So it's it's just it goes on to next year's target of must do that. And I love Serial Geek, but it um, yeah, the San Diego Comic Con really destroyed everything about it for me. But yeah, so, so I'm, I apologize as always for not doing it. But at some point, it will be done. All right. And anytime, remember, in the future, you have things you need to promote or something. We can always do that and help you out here on Fans of Power, no, and I can always spread it throughout Facebook. Yeah, Facebook and anywhere else. But before we wrap it up, like I said, I don't know if Nathan, you got anything closing you want to say to James before we wrap oh, this yeah, sucker just, up. It's it's always a pleasure to have him on, and it's also it was a relief for me to not have to be on here as much for the entire thing. To have someone, it's like yeah, finally someone with knowledge that can that can talk. Because <laughs> I I feel so bad for our, our no, he... fan base that checks it out every week. Because I'm just sitting here like oh yeah. Yeah. No, you do. The agree. other thing that I did want to touch on, because I don't want to get a, another message tomorrow morning like Joe and I did last week from Mr. Val Staples himself. Make sure that we mention that PowerCon 2020 was announced. That's going to take place on oh. August 8th and 9th. 
and it's gonna also be at the Hilton Anaheim, which is where it was last year. So, yeah, well, this, you were sure that I would have forgot. Because go ahead, it's crazy this year. Like uh, PowerCon, how big it was. Like there was the venue was ludicrous. It was it was it was so big, and um, yeah, it was it was amazing. It's like I always tell people, it's almost like Vegas. It's like you have to do it once at least. And I mean, obviously, I've done every PowerCon because I I go as a guest. But even if I didn't. Um, I'd still go because it's just like the experience of, you know, I always say, I think I've said to you before, Joe, it's like you could literally go and nobody knows what you look like. You could walk around and then take photos. I think that'd be amazing. Like, and then post some people yeah. like, wait a minute, you were a PowerPoint. It's like, yeah, but you've been Holy shit. I could. Could you imagine that shit? Joe was there all along. It's like, you guys would have never known. That would be fun. You never <laughs> I, know. Maybe someday We in the should future. do it where Joe walks around without a mask, but then I wear his mask and don't say anything. That'd fuck people up. That'd be great. So you never know. Maybe the future's something nuts. But James, it it was an absolute blast, man. And and everybody that joined us this week. Yeah, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, I know you enjoyed it, James. And uh, James, if you stick around right after the show, we're doing our other uh, episode of uh, uh, Mask Man and the and the Drunk. And we're gonna eat these nasty uh, beans, so I might puke. And I think I'm gonna have to leave this mask on because there's no way I can. I showed James. This is what I had. I had uh, this alternate mask I wear on the show, the other oh, show, oh. and the mouth does open when I talk, but I'm afraid if I puke, <laughs> the puke is going to get collected oh. in here. So I can't put this mask on. I need to spit that out. I can't chew it because I'm afraid I'll throw it. you should just go ahead and go to bed, man. Save so, uh, yourself the trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might have nightmares that this is the last thing you see is Joe vomiting live on fucking YouTube. But again, thank you for joining us, James. It was it was a pleasure having you. Hope to have you on again very soon. And uh, for anybody that's new to this channel, make sure you like, subscribe, share, ring that bell so you can always get notified when we go live. And uh, until next time. I, I don't day. have wrestling trivia this week. Let's just uh, let's get to these nasty beans and get it over with. Come on.